Welcome into Patriot Sports. This is Will Dundon. I got Nick Trushel and Reese Bennett with me. We had a loaded weekend of football. We're going to kick it off uh, talking about the college weekend. A lot of really good games on paper, for sure, but a lot of them ended up being blowouts, as uh, we obviously know. So, guys, let's let's kick it off starting uh, talking about Bama and Ole Miss. This was a game I really thought... I really thought Ole Miss even had a chance at winning just with their offensive firepower and everything, and obviously that wasn't the case. I mean, I think at this point we should start calling them Ole Piss. I mean, they pissed this game away. I mean, Saban came in there, he schemed everything up, and Kiffin seemed to not know what was going on. They got caught off guard, had a couple of garbage time points to make it a little bit closer um, and almost end up covering, but... Really, if you watch the game, Ole Miss was never in it. Alabama dominated through and through. So, Bama's going to Bama. Well, and to me, it almost looked like just watching. I I stopped watching eventually, but at the beginning of the game, that first drive, you go for it on a couple fourth downs. They got it wrong. And got it. Yeah. And then they didn't, didn't complete the touchdown at the end. I think they went for it on fourth again and got stuffed. Yep. And it's like, you know, if you if you can just convert that right off the bat, you just put yourself in such a better position. But if you have to play catch-up against Bama, unless you're, you're a team like Georgia or someone, you're, you're kind of already done is what it looked like to me. And I could already tell, like, when they were kind of converting on some of those uh, fourth downs and other plays, just getting the first downs, it was like, you. it just almost looked like they were like straining themselves, if that makes sense, to get those first. Like it looked like it was so difficult for them to get those first downs. It really was. That I was just like, man, I don't know. if they. I mean, they would have had to play a perfect game to beat that team. Yeah, and Alabama just kind of ran all over them. I mean, Brian Robinson Jr. had 170 yards and four touchdowns. They couldn't stop the run. They were kind of just hit in the mouth, knocked on their heels, and couldn't pick it back up. So This is just one of those games where – you know, Alabama, a superior team, top two team in the nation, they just controlled the game in the trenches. Their offensive and defensive lines just were able to push Ole Miss out of the way. And when you can do that, you're going to win football games. And also the other thing, Ole Miss, yeah, they have the high-powered offense, but it's kind of a detriment at times because if you are able to move the ball quickly, which they weren't able to do it that great against Alabama's defense because they played well, um, you don't control the clock as much. I feel like, I feel like if you have a team that you know you can get down the field and have a scoring drive in six or seven plays, Alabama's time of possession was 30, 38 minutes and Ole Miss was twenty two. When you have that big of a time of possession discrepancy, and Alabama's running game is going off like it did, they're definitely going to win the game. Well, and it's funny you talk about time of possession because you think of Ole Miss as like a super fast. Uh, high-powered attack that scores that wants to score quick and you know if you if you're scoring it doesn't matter right you know because who cares if you have points the time of possession is the, isn't that big of a deal but what happens is when you don't convert yeah on, and get touchdowns you're screwing yourself over because then you're leaving a defense out there that is not not good enough to hang out there no. especially for long periods of time and it was way too easy for Bama to just kind of chip away at that or really just gash them honestly yeah. and they never really had a chance after that yeah I mean when Bama can control the clock the way they want to and they're not playing catch up it's nine times out of ten Alabama is just gonna wear you down so and here's a take I have I think Ole Miss might be wearing the powder blue helmets too much 
I think powder I think, blue killing I them. think they're getting too cute with the powder blue. Like it's awesome. I love that they have that tradition, but stop it. Stop wearing it so much. Do it like once, maybe twice a season, but you're doing it too much and it's kind of gross. I'm I'm probably in the minority here, but I'm actually a huge fan of just their navy helmets. One of I like my the favorite helmets. I I love Ole Miss's jersey combos and two two of my favorites are actually uh gray pants Navy jersey, navy helmet. Oh yeah, I think oh, that just looks yeah. like yeah. classic, traditional, and then also gray pants, red jersey, navy helmet. I think those yeah. both are awesome yeah. combinations. It's getting too high schooly when you wear the powder blues six times a year. Like you got to stop it. Just stay with your roots. You know, it's proven to work. What do you think of when you think of Ole Miss? You think of Eli Manning. You think of Archie Manning. Yeah, you think <laughs> Archie. You think of AJ Brown. Like some Ole Miss, like big time guys. They weren't wearing powder blues every day. Eli Manning was in that navy helmet and navy top gray pants. Like, you know, stop trying to be so, uh, I don't know, progressive with your light blue. And really, I think the the big storyline coming out of this is Ole Miss was getting some hype as, you know, a possible sleeper in the SEC. And this yeah. basically just knocked, knocked all of down. that down. Knocked down. Matt Corral's, Heisman. I mean, he could maybe... Gone. Kind of come back, but I it's like so. you to to be in the Heisman kind of talk. You got to come out and per, not necessarily win, but at least perform and against a, in a that game like a that. Game, no, really? and he, yeah, it just. I mean, like we said, I mean, uh, the only time they really scored was kind of at the end when it didn't really matter at yeah. that point. Bama had already let off the dogs and got a couple of garbage time points. So overall, not very impressed with Matt Corral. Also, bad look for Lane Kiffin to, before the game, do a mic yeah, drop. Yeah, mic and drop. Then, and, then, and then just get trounced. Yeah, he's like, get your popcorn ready. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think the uh, Bama mascot on Twitter actually tweeted out and said, it's, it's popping or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah, there was, there was popcorn was kind of left over for because nobody point. was eating it. Well, well, and, you know, I mean, I, I get, I mean, that's kind of Kiffin. He does stuff like that. And I really did. I mean, I thought they had a shot, but, I mean, I think another big storyline coming out of this is Bama – uh, after that Florida game, someone was a lot of people were kind of wondering how dominant they would be, and I'm not still completely sold that they're just heads and shoulders above everyone. But it looks like they're it's still, starting to, yeah, yeah it's they're starting still to get there. Yeah, they're being a dominant team. Yeah, there's there's still a gap between the top, the top like Alabama, Georgia, and everybody else. Yeah, kind of going along with that top tier. The only other team who I'd probably put in with Alabama is Georgia, and they did pretty much the same thing over the weekend, played a top-10 team in Arkansas, who I don't know if Arkansas necessarily deserved that ranking. Um, I mean, they are undefeated. They beat Texas, so I think Texas is a pretty solid team. But obviously we saw Georgia just – I mean, Arkansas, they, their problem was is they also had to play – I don't think they had to necessarily play a perfect game and need Georgia to play a bad game. I think they just really needed to capitalize when opportunities were given to them, and they never did that. They had chances, even when they got down 21 nothing. they had multiple chances that looked like they almost had a touchdown drive going and then sputtered out because it could have been, it easily could have been a 21-14 game, I thought, yeah. watching the game. They get drives going, and sometimes it was a long length of the field to kind of attack, so mm-hmm. that's tough. But, you know, they, they get on the other side of the field and then just sputter out. Yeah, and the... Uh... It's funny because I'm looking at it here, and Stetson Bennett, we we all saw he filled in for JT Daniels. The mailman. Um, But he only passed for 72 yards. 
Yeah. He passed for 72 yards, and Georgia beat Arkansas 37-0. to Well, the killer here is Georgia has 273 yards rushing, rushing. Yes. and Arkansas had 75. I'm, I wonder, We ha- I haven't looked at the stats in this, but I wonder what the first half rushing stats were, because I remember watching that game, and when they first came out and were running the ball, I mean, there were times where Georgia would run the ball, and it was like, they were just blocking everyone because the lanes were wide open. Yeah. I mean, Semi once they got past the line of scrimmage, it's like there was no one within 15 yards of the running back, you know? Oh, yeah. Georgia's offensive line was just pushing Arkansas around. They were making any hole they wanted to. I mean, it was ugly. And it goes to the thing, with same with Alabama. Teams like Georgia and Alabama have incredible depth. They've been getting these top – five top three recruiting classes for the past five years and when you have all these guys that you can just plug and play and the talent doesn't drop off at all whereas Arkansas doesn't have that same kind of depth Georgia's going to win that game because they can just put fresh legs in and bully you down when Arkansas has you know they have a couple of good defensive linemen but when Georgia has eight good offensive linemen they're just going to bully you around yeah and I think I mean they're number one in the nation in defense um and yeah. something that kind of interesting that just kind of came up here is, so they beat Vanderbilt 62-0 to zero, uh, last week. So they've had back-to-back shutouts. Do you know when the last time Georgia had back-to-back shutouts? In 1980 when they won the national championship. Uh-oh. That's, Things that's are brewing here. Stars some, are starting to align. That's some next-level stats. So That's pretty sweet. That's awesome. I mean, but yeah, I mean, this was a shutout. I mean, in every see, sense of the word. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas climbs to the top 10 ranks after beating Texas A&M last week, and they lay a goose egg. Sorry, Seth, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the Hogs' day on Saturday. Well, and I don't want to dump on the Hogs too much just because it... Well, they it, they it, got you, beat, man. No, they, they got beat, no. And I think it's more of a... I don't look at this as a huge failure for Arkansas. I think it's more of a reality check. Like hey, you're yeah. just hey, you're getting a lot better, and but you're, you're not there you've yet. become like a good team, a good team, not really good, not great, but you're a good team now. But I mean, you just don't have the players either. That's no. part of it. I mean, you would have had to just execute really well for that game to go the way you wanted it to go. I, I think to keep it close, they they could have had a chance of just a couple other things would have went their way. But I mean. Mm-hmm. They they just don't have the guys, honestly. Yeah. And I think that's something, I mean, as Sam Pittman, I still think he's doing an awesome job. As he continues to get better, you know, he'll get some of those guys to want to start coming to Arkansas again. Yeah. And I think he's moving them in the right direction. And I think Arkansas will probably end up uh, the season in the top 25, I'd imagine, probably hovering around the uh, bottom half. But they killed themselves, too, a lot uh, this past weekend. 13 penalties for 100 yards. So it just seemed like they were scared out there. They weren't ready. They weren't as experienced as Georgia. They didn't have the talent. It's really simple as that. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how they end up. Just because, um, I mean, like I said, I think they're good. And I could see them ending the season ranked. But is that like an 8-4 and four season? I feel like if you finish 8-4, and four, especially in the SEC with losses to like Georgia and Bama, you're probably hovering around uh, the top 25. Yeah. But I don't really know. Some of those other toss-up games, like when they play, even in LSU, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Arkansas is like a 
I wouldn't say they're good enough to where you're guaranteeing a guaranteeing win wins, for yeah. anyone, you know, any SEC team that is anyway, you know, besides you know, the likes of like Vandy and South Carolina, which I don't even know if they, uh, I don't even think they play them because they're Missouri. on the other division. Yeah, probably Missouri. Yeah, the, all those three teams in the East are woof. Yeah, I mean, if you're Arkansas, you punt the ball eight times, Georgia punts it twice, and you have 100 yards and penalties. I, I mean, you said they didn't have to play a perfect game, but... Uh, <laughs> You got to be pretty damn near perfect if you want to even try. Well, their problem to me was they played a bad game. Like yeah. they didn't even really play a good. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and couldn't I, do anything. I, I get Georgia's way better than them, but I don't even think some of it was totally due to Georgia. I think it was they also just didn't execute on their own end. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's don't count the Hogs out to have a good rest of the season. I mean, they still have a lot to hang their hat on. I mean. Unfortunately, I hate to admit they do own the state of Texas this season. So you can be happy about that if you like Arkansas. Yeah. And Arkansas has got a tough matchup next week. They're uh, going down to Mississippi, play Ole Miss. See, that'll be a good game. That's, that'll that's be, one that's, I, don't, that's, I don't know. Either team either team could win that. That's a prove-it game. It'll be kind of a litmus test to, hey, yeah. are you a good team? Because I think that separates kind of where, where you're at. Um, obviously, you both just lost to – the two best teams in the country, yeah. I think we can yeah. all agree on. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, there's really not a whole lot of shame in that. At least you kept your dignity a little bit. Like, no one lost by 40. I mean, I guess Arkansas almost did. But, you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, just – I don't I don't think this breaks your team or no. anything. You no. Know? I think you can bounce back. Yeah. Um, there was one huge upset uh, this weekend, obviously. Oregon goes over to Stanford and loses. The Pac-12 just keeps eating itself alive every single year. They do. I know just when we thought Oregon kind of was looking was, really good and had a chance to you know, make Ohio a run. State. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, I wonder if it was a, a kind of lay-down game for them. Because I watched kind of bits and pieces of that while I was flipping around different games. And it looked like, you know, they got down, and then it was like one – you know, 70-yard touchdown, and they were back ahead. I feel like they kind of were able to turn it on when they felt like it, but then they just continued to let Stanford hang around or be in the lead at times, obviously, and then Stanford just closed it out in overtime, you know? It was too little too late. Yeah, and it was even crazy how they got to overtime. It was a untimed play after a oh, pass right. interference yeah. call. And, um, I mean, Stanford's receiver just makes an incredible catch, incredible play, really just moss the guy and go to OT and they take care of business. So Oregon's, uh, they need to uh, take a look in the mirror here and figure something out. Yeah. And I also want to give a little credit to David Shaw, Stanford's coach. Cause I, I think he's one of the better coaches in the country. I mean, he's been there forever and um, Stanford. I mean, obviously they've had success at times, uh, but they've even, never even put after, it all together. Really. I feel like no, but even at, even like after Harbaugh and Andrew Luck were there, David Shaw was able to kind of, you know, keep them respectable yeah. and be good. Cause I don't think Stanford is necessarily at times they've been really good, but at least in this millennium, you know, you don't expect a ton out of them. Mm-mm. Cause even if they, you know, it used to be, if they beat USC, that would have been like Vandy beating, you know, Bama. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Almost. But yeah. So kind of respect to them. Ooh. Okay. Just saw we're watching Monday Night Football. We just saw the Chargers attempt a fake punt that almost worked, but great ball throw by out. the punter. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the Pac twelve, I always expect, you know, a team to step up and, you know, take ownership of being, hey, we're we are the guys out west. And I thought Oregon would be that team this year. 
you know, they beat Ohio State. Everybody's yeah, talking about Ohio State, they were... one of the top four teams at the start of the season. Oregon goes out and beats them, and then they just drop this ball. Like, you can't – it just keeps on proving that the SEC is king. And, I mean, I just – I want somebody from the West to be good, like really good. Well, so is Oregon out of the playoff hunt, in your opinion, in either of y'all's opinions? I don't think – I mean, I really uh... don't think you can count anybody out except for Clemson. Yeah, I think because so many teams have lost this year and pretty much everybody except Alabama and Georgia have that one loss. If you win your if you win your conference, why can't Oregon get in? I mean, yeah, no, that's what I think. I think if they win out, they still have a pretty good shot yeah. of getting in, especially like you said Clemson's got two losses. They almost lost to Boston College Yeah, over Clemson, the they don't have it this year. It's clear. No, no, they're not. I mean, they they might lose another game, you yeah, know. I, I could see them I mean, losing two games possibly. Yeah, I, I have no idea who they'll I mean, the ACC's so up and down that I have yeah. no clue who's going to come out on top over there. Um But yeah, I think Oregon's still got a good shot. I think right now it looks like Bama and Georgia as long as they take care of business, they could be playing the SEC championship for nothing, essentially, besides well, yeah. the yeah. title. You know, I think they'll both get in. Yeah, exactly. One of them will lose that game, and then they both still make it. They would have. They would. One of them would have to lose another game. Like someone yeah. would have to have be, have two losses at the end of the season for both of them not to get in. In my well, opinion, agreed. Honestly, it might be a, a big brain move for. Uh, we'll see who, what happens. But Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, do one of them say like, "Hey, let's lose the SEC championship so that we play the number, you know, the lesser seed." Uh, Would it work out like that though? I've, Maybe I, I might have just I might have just, just had a, a brain mess up because whoever wins would be one, and then they play four. Yeah, so. My bad. <laughs> well, it's like would they whoever lost? Like I could see them losing and still being one and two. That's what's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it could essentially not really matter. Yeah. Or or they could drop them to four or something, and then they just play each they other. They just play again. each other again, which would kind of suck because yeah. that's the national championship. If it if it ends up that way, I feel like. Yeah. Uh one one team that had another great weekend that I think has basically cemented themselves in the playoff. Whoa. Yeah, I think so. As long as they can, as long as they went out, uh, is Cincinnati went went into South Bend. And absolutely took, took care, care of business. business. I mean, came out and really uh, like dominated right away, but then kind of let up a little bit, let Notre Dame hang around there. But honestly, they controlled that game the whole time. I mean, Desmond Ritter, I'm a big Desmond Ritter fan. 300 yards, two touchdowns. He yeah. played well. He went off. Uh, I mean, they just went in there and looked like clearly the better team. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think Notre Dame was – really that good in the first place they had played some pretty bad teams close um but i mean this is still a i mean cincinnati probably will go undefeated from here right i mean who else do they play yeah i don't know i mean i they played indiana already and beat them easily uh actually i well i think they were actually down at one point but ended up you know beating them by yeah. a couple scores they they've got temple ucf navy navy's a Tulane, tulsa usf SMU is really the only one that I'm seeing here, and then Eastern Carolina. I don't know, dude. Navy with that weird or option offense—that's a trap game. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I could see that just because of at the Navy? option. But it is. At oh, it's Navy. at Navy. Hey, Cincinnati's you know, you know defense us, is so good, though. The, the troops—we come out fighting. Yeah. Well, and UCF, you know, Dylan Gabriel's out for the season, so that yeah. isn't even kind of what it was. Um, it might still kind of look good on the schedule, but seriously, I mean, they're ranked number five right now. 
I mean, there's no reason for them to drop as long as they keep winning. No, as long as they keep winning, I can only see them moving up one or two spots. Especially because it looks like there will be so many teams with two losses this year. So I that, think that's the, that's what helps them out the most. Is, this is the year for the Bearcats to make a run at the playoffs because they got enough losses from the Power Five teams. If they go undefeated, they're in. Well, what's funny is because let's let's look at it. Let's say Alabama and Georgia like go undefeated, and then one loses in the SEC championship. Both of them would probably be in. So there's two spots right there. Then it does kind of come down to, you know, if Oregon wins so, out. Pretty convincingly. Michigan, if they... Well, that's the thing. The Big Ten is kind of the, the wild card weird, in all of this. Because yeah. you have teams like Michigan and Penn State who are st- and Iowa who are all undefeated. Yeah. Iowa and Penn State will play each other next week. So that'll kind of... I mean, a Big Ten champion with one loss, I mean, I kind of would think might have to get in also. So yeah. that's... Only leaving one spot for Cincinnati. It, it'll turn into... I think Cincinnati would still get in. And then you take a team from the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, you look at that schedule and whoever has essentially the best loss. Because I think if, you know, you have, I think the four teams out of the Big Ten that have a possibility of making it are Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Iowa. Am I, I guess Michigan yeah. State's still in there, but I'm not as big of a believer in them. Um, I mean, actually, Michigan State and Michigan could kind of be up for that spot. I don't know. But let's say, uh, I mean, if any of those teams loses one game, as long as it's to... One of those other teams, you know, which yeah. is going to be a top 10, maybe top 5 team, you're going to be in. I think they will put them over Oregon, and I think if Cincinnati goes undefeated... They come know, in at number 4? Yeah. The only problem is Oregon did beat Ohio State. Yeah. So, like, what if Ohio State wins out? <laughs> and then, you know, that, that'll that be what it all comes down to, because then maybe, okay, well, Oregon beat Ohio State, we'll put Oregon in, and then do we put Cincinnati in or do we put Ohio State in? I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, that's way down the road, and obviously and we have a lot of because it's going to gonna be a lot more with recent games. I feel like, I mean, early games, the committee I think takes into account that there's some rust and teams are putting things together. So I think finishing the stretch really strong is going to be the, right. Be well, the and you want important. the best team at the time, you know, yeah, right exactly. now. So yeah, that's good Agreed. to think about as well. Agreed. I'm going to rest on my laurels here too. Before the football season started, I elevated Cincinnati from dark horse to playoff uh, playoff member. So you did all that. It's happening right well, now. Well, so well, right in front of our our, our eyes. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. They do have so to take care of business. They got to take care of business. Yeah, they have to they, be navy. There is a lot of college football left this year. So, but Reese, so far looking good. On October fourth, I'm still still resting resting on those laurels of Cincinnati. I'm now right. my my sleeper pick Indiana that was elevated from nothing to sleeper. We don't need to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I tried Cincinnati kind of just beat that one for you. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, they're just they they were a COVID team. They were yeah. they, they were, were the Fe- they were the Phoenix team. Suns. They were the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, you know they got in that COVID season and balled out. But I, I knew that wasn't going to last. It just it wasn't meant to last. No. Um. Real another big game, kind of our last big game that we'll cover. I mean, Kentucky comes out, beats Florida, and really also kind of controlled that game for the most part, yeah. I thought. I mean, C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. And the uh, special team shout-out, Trevin Wallace returned to block field goal 76 yards for the go-ahead touchdown in the third quarter. That's awesome. Yeah. So That's awesome. Remember, you need to have your special teams in order. Just like, uh, Will, I'm sure you know how oh, yeah. Nebraska has thrown away some games through through special teams. Do not forget how important they are. 
Well, and like I'm just thinking, Kentucky's defense holding them to 13 points. I mean, whatever you think of, yeah, Emory Jones or Richardson. I mean, it's still a damn Mullen offense that Kentucky like Stoops. Who I guess I mean he's known to be a pretty good defensive coach, and you know just came out game plan for him and shut him down for the most part. And the the weirdest thing about this is I'm just thinking. It, Kentucky beating Florida just kind of sign, like symbolizes what this college football season is. It, like it's so all over the place. Yeah, Kentucky, a team that like almost loses to UT Chattanooga, but can come out and beat a Florida team that people were think almost went out and beat Bama. Yeah, you know, one of the people were thinking, hey, this is a surefire top ten team, one of the best teams in the country, maybe. So uh, it, it it was just wild to watch and it. The question I kind of have is Kentucky now the third best team in the SEC. At this point, yes. At this point, yes. It's not Arkansas. It's not Ole Miss. It's not anybody else in the East. So it can't be Florida. Well, yeah. No. So they I are. guess as of right now, you can call Kentucky the third best team in the SEC. They're wearing the bronze Alabama medal, man. They're undefeated. I I believe. Yeah, right? they are. Five and zero in. Uh, Five and zero in games, and then three and zero in the conference. So they're taking care of business. Which, as far as like you know, SEC versus Big Ten goes, what I look at is basically you have Alabama and Georgia, but then the conferences besides that are like even. Which obviously, yeah. I mean, that's a big. I mean, having those two teams is a huge, yeah. you know, boost in your conference. Uh, no just doubt. Kind of, yeah, no the, doubt. just kind of the flash of the conference. But it is. I mean. It's it's awesome to see just how competitive these conferences will be. I mean, you're going to have I, – I don't know what Kentucky's record will end up being, but I just – I mean, there's no way it ends up being, you know, 10-2 and two or something. I just don't think – even though they're starting off, what is it, 5-0 and oh now? Yeah. Gosh, that's well, – that's so weird to say, I feel like. I don't know if you remember uh, a few years ago when Kentucky was having their best season ever. I think they got up to number 10 maybe. Who uh, came was in? Was it when them? Tennessee beat them in triple yeah. overtime or whatever? Yeah. Arian Foster and or no 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 this was a couple of years ago. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah this was a couple of years yeah, ago yeah, yeah. yeah they were like ranked number yeah 10. Pruitt Pruitt beat them yeah, yeah Pruitt sorry. beat them so <laughs> that's so that could is be, that is a silly, yeah. that's a no silly we thing beat to the say. crap out of them and it was like their best season ever they were all hyped up and <laughs> dumb old Jeremy Pruitt and his idiots come to town and kick your ass his so well, I think it was in Knoxville. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. I feel like it might have been in Lexington. I don't know. Anyways, another uh, thing. I mean, Nick mentioned that blocked field goal for the go-ahead touchdown. Special teams touchdowns are the best. They're the best thing about oh, football. Everybody jumps out of their seat when there's a special. Oh when yeah, the punter gets his one, or the punt returner gets his one block around uh, to seal that edge and get going, or or anytime there's a block. Yeah, yeah well, I, a blocked I, punt, I blocked field goal, kick yeah. six. I was watching the Georgia Arkansas game, and they have Arkansas is punting from inside their own end zone, and Georgia just sends everybody. They block the punt and score a touchdown and the camera angle was like right from the back of the end zone so you could see the snap perfectly and you see the rush coming and you're like, oh my god, it's about to happen. Georgia blocks it, then they pick it up. Like That, I think, that is my favorite touchdown. That's my favorite play in all of sports is a blocked punt in the end zone and the receiving team scores a touchdown on it. That, I think, it doesn't get any more electric than that. Well, and Reese, you and me were watching that game together. I think literally as it happened, we both just go game over. Like, it's, it, <laughs> yeah, that was because that's true. I mean, it's such a point. It's, it's such so a momentum shift too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a huge momentum shift. It's crazy. Yeah, 
and the players like you know the punter comes off the field and his buddies are <laughs> high fiving him or like patting him on the back. They're like, "Hey man, you're good. Like it, it's all good. Like don't don't think too much about it. You know your punch just got blocked, but like we're good, we're good." But in all reality, they're all like, "Dang it, that this really sucks." I mean, it's a huge swing, right? Yeah, Dude. you just gave you gave away seven points. Yeah, gave away seven points. But but kind of going back to that Kentucky game and just that Kentucky team, uh, along with the rest of kind of college football, just like Kentucky, you know, being an undefeated team and beating a really good team in Florida. So we think, as I mean, if you're a Tennessee fan, I don't think you're even necessarily, even though you got pretty much handled by Florida. I don't think any Tennessee fan is necessarily like scared of Kentucky. No, absolutely no. not. And if you watch the Florida game, we were in it in the first half and just kind of killed ourselves. And same with the Pitt game. I mean, Pitt we should have destroyed. Should have destroyed. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really not scared of anybody not named Alabama or Georgia. So, yeah, I think we can go in and beat Kentucky. And there's also a theme from these SEC games we've talked about. Um, the teams that have lost, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Florida, what is the common denominator? They've all had over 100 yards in penalties. Mm. Florida has 115 yards in penalties against Kentucky. Florida controlled all the stats. They controlled total yards, passing, rushing, and yards per play, but the penalty yards have come up to bite them. So Yikes. That's, that's a thing that I think I was talking – to my grandfather about this, great teams like Alabama and Georgia, they do all the small things right. They t- they tackle on the first guy who gets to the ball carrier. They don't get penalties. They don't false start. They play they do, smart. They they play smart and they're um, conditioned. They're disciplined. You know, great good teams like Arkansas, Florida, and Ole Miss. If you make a bunch of mistakes, you get all those penalties. Even if you control the stats, you're good. That opens the door for a lesser team to beat you. So yeah. I think that's interesting. Going back to that too, I remember seeing a tweet kind of around the playoff or maybe the national championship last year. Someone tweeted out uh, talking about Alabama. You know, obviously probably the best disciplined team due to Nick Saban's coaching. They were talking about how they were just noticing Bama's receivers, even when they caught a big ball. You know, I mean, guys get excited, guys celebrate a little bit, but every time they would catch a ball, it was like immediately get up, hand the ball to the ref. Yeah, yeah. And that's even something just as small as that. I mean, that just plays into your whole mindset, I feel like, yeah. as a team, you as a program. In. Yeah, you of buy how, and, and just being a disciplined football team. Those are some of the little things that come into play that, yeah, I mean, handing the ball, it doesn't like actually matter, right? It doesn't like have a huge effect, but it's all it goes back to that whole mindset you have, yeah. obviously. Yeah, we're not going to celebrate a big play. We're going to celebrate. That should be expected. We're going to celebrate a win, a win against the team. Like you don't need to be freaking out if you catch a first down pass on an out route. You need to be celebrating when you beat the team that you're playing. Like yeah. who cares if you do what you know you have a great play? So I I think that's cool how great teams like Alabama and Georgia just take care of business. Don't count uh, your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. That's and, right. Trucia, you said uh, you were talking about how Tennessee should have beaten down on Pittsburgh. Well, we saw this past weekend, uh, Tennessee, and just recently, Tennessee has officially, on the depth chart, changed their starter to Hendon Hooker. So I maybe maybe that was a guy, if you have him against Pitt, you maybe win that game. But we saw this past week, and we're going to talk about the Vols real quick, I mean, just absolutely Annihilated Missouri this weekend. Complete dismantle. Feels I mean, like fifty-one, baby. Yeah, it like, feels like fifty-one. We had the most rushing yards in a single game 
um, since our national championship season in 1951. I mean, so. it was it was 28 to three before <laughs> you throwing it back even, 70 years. Huh? Yeah, it was 28 to three in that game before you could even blink. Like it was ridiculous. 458 rushing yards. That's yeah. awesome. I mean that. That was a fun game to watch. Tennessee needed that badly. Well, and I was listening to one of the kind of Vols podcasts I listen to pretty much daily. And I remember Friday before I was going into work, I was listening to a guy who called in who was saying, hey, guys, listen, if we don't if we don't beat this team by, you know, just absolutely crush them and run for 400 yards, I mean, what are we even doing? Like fire hype. And I'm just thinking – what is this guy talking he about? I'm like, it. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. We shouldn't expect to do that against any SEC team. And I still believe that. However, <laughs> the dude called it. He called I, it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, and cool. I mean, that's I wonder awesome. what the like, odds would have been on that to bet uh, Vols over 450 rushing yards. Well, and like Missouri <laughs> was favored by three and a half. Yeah. We should have found an alternate line that was like 30 points yeah. or something. You like, know, plus 15,000? Yeah. yeah, it had to have been. But I mean... Yeah, I mean, Vols come out and just... I mean, Hinden Hooker kicked it off by throwing that really good ball to yeah. uh, Peyton and everything. But, I mean, just ran the ball at will. I haven't seen a team as bad at tackling in a long time than the way Missouri tried to yeah. tackle uh, on Saturday. That was kind of the biggest takeaway for me. I mean, I think the Vols executed and did everything uh, the way they wanted to. I think this is the way... I think Heupel kind of came away from this game and was kind of... This Even in the press conference, is saying, "Hey, yeah. this is what it's supposed to look like." Yeah. I think that's what you tell recruits, tell your players now. Say, "Hey, when we're clicking, I don't care who it's against. I mean, we name your score. I mean, they yeah. could have scored eighty points if they really wanted to. Oh you yeah. Know? So I think that's a good game to just look at and say, "Hey, guys, this is what it's supposed to look like. I mean, there's no reason we can't score a ton of points on on, especially on teams like this." Yeah. And I was happy to see our offensive line play so well, too. I know Missouri has one of the worst defensive lines in the country, but still, we were, I mean, we were just winning every one on one matchup, getting holes, blowing up their line. Tyon Evans had three touchdowns. I mean, it was just fun to watch, man. It was fun to watch. Well, and I think the biggest thing is Tennessee. I mean, it sucks they couldn't have beat Pitt because the record would just be so much better. And then right now, you take this game. And you go into South Carolina, go into playing South Carolina next week. I mean, that's another game you should win yeah. by. Now that we've seen against Missouri, it's like okay, you should you should, you should do the same thing because South Carolina's, I mean, a team that almost lost to Troy this past week. You should be able to yeah. dominate. And I think, I mean, that's huge just to get a two game win streak on wins where you win by thirty plus points. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, that's huge for the rest of the season. Yeah, if we hadn't lost to Pitt, we'd be four and one going into. South Carolina, or going to play South Carolina, um, but it is what it is. I think Heupel's going to get this team running right. I like uh, I like the direction that we have. I like the toughness this team has. We've got a lot of depth, too. A lot uh, We saw, and obviously it was a blowout, but a lot of players are seeming to contribute this year. We're spreading the uh, ball around a lot, passing-wise, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, how we finish the season. Yeah. Um, going along with blowouts... My team, the Huskers, they kind of did the same thing, honestly, against Northwestern. Another yeah, kind of the same, them. kind of the same idea, you know. Northwestern, similar to Missouri, not like a historically, you know, down in the dumps team, but as of right now, not a good team. I mean, yeah. obviously, Northwestern was in the Big Ten championship last year, but this is kind of what Northwestern does, in my opinion. Pat Fitzgerald is one of the best coaches in the country because Northwestern is literally Vanderbilt, just in the Big Ten. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. They have a small stadium. 
Not a lot of money goes into football. They finally got a big uh, facility that's pretty sweet that, I mean, he earned because of his yeah. success. But, I mean, so you, you kind of see this a lot where you can have a team like Northwestern that sometimes, you know, they'll come out and win 10 games, and then the next year, you know, they lose some production, and it's going to be a rough season. Um, just like, I mean, Vandy would probably kill for something like that, you know, be able yeah. to win 9 and 10 games every now and then, and then, you know, drop down. Yeah, it's like if they would have kept James Franklin. But similar to Heupel, I mean, obviously Frost has been there for a few years now, but I think for this season, it was a game for the offense to look at, hey, when we, like, this is what this team is capable of when our offense is clicking, when we do it, when we do, when we do all the little things right and can score. Because they ran, do you have the, how many rushing yards the Huskers ran for? I think, I know they had well over 600 yards of offense. Yeah, so we can see rushing, they had 427 yards, so they were up there with the Vols. Yeah, I mean, and they just did the same type of thing. I think they averaged, as a team, 8.2 yards per carry. Wow, seven uh, rushing touchdowns. Frost came out. The offensive line had been a huge problem. And you know what I think was really encouraging for a lot of Husker fans is Frost came out and said, hey, I'm going to – like he went into the special teams meeting and he went into the offensive line meetings, made changes. We had a new – actually started a true freshman at left tackle who did an awesome job. Wow. Um so he, I mean, he went in and made changes. I don't care if Northwestern's not that good this year; it's still a conference opponent. And here's the thing that I think Nebraska and Tennessee fans can kind of agree on: being able to go play a bad team and beat them down, kick the crap out of them, you know, like you're supposed to do, yeah. should feel good. Yeah, to be able to do what you're supposed to do at this point, kind of where your programs are, should feel really good. Along with that, I mean, Adrian Martinez. Again, another week. He's been hopeful. Yeah, absolutely balled out. Had three rushing touchdowns in the first quarter. Threw for first play of the game, throws a 70 yard bomb to Samari Torre, who's been, I mean, just an awesome asset that they got from Montana. Uh, he barely even had to throw the ball. Only 15 completions, but oh, well, 21 that, attempts. So he, well, he and that sharp. was, that's actually the team passing stats. I think Adrian oh, was yeah, actually only 11 to 17. You're right about that. Yeah, but still threw for over 200 yards, you know, threw for another touchdown. And yeah, I will say, Adrian Martinez now on track still for about 3,000 passing yards, 800 rushing yards, and guy already has 15 total touchdowns on the year. So I'm just going to say this, if the Huskers can uh, kind of carry this momentum and beat Michigan, it might be time for uh, Martinez to start getting a little national attention from the media. So yeah, we'll you see. got some tough games coming up, though. Oh no, that's the thing. I mean, there's multiple... Michigan, three top Ohio State, Iowa, three I think, top ten. Yeah, three top ten teams on the schedule. So, and like I said, I mean, kind of in the same boat that Tennessee's in with teams like Kentucky or someone. None of those teams really scare me. Um, I mean, that's not to say that we'll, we won't go out and lose one of those big. I'm not. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we did. But everyone on the schedule. I mean, we don't have an Alabama or Georgia on yeah, the schedule. I'll put it someone that way. who's purely n- not beatable. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State is not on that level this year. So. I mean, I think Nebraska has a chance in all those games. And, I mean, it's still going to be a fight to get to a bowl game. I think a lot of people are more confident in that happening now. I mean, 3-3 three and three now, got to go 3-3 three and three the rest of the way just to get a bowl game. I mean, I would love for them to do better than that, and I think that's possible. But moving forward, you know, we'll see uh, what happens. Reese, though. Reese, yeah. I had the pleasure of watching the uh, Texas A&M game with you this past weekend. Just, just kind of give me your thoughts on that. Oh man, I, I, I mean, it's just hard to even talk about at this point. You, you, you know, you can't, you can't hurt somebody that's already broken. 
And as a Texas A&M fan, that's that's how I feel after this weekend. You know, I, I was hopeful that we could beat Arkansas last week, you know, continue the streak. That didn't happen. Played bad. And then we come back to College Station, Kyle Field, full stadium, awesome crowd. The 12th man was electric for the whole game. And we drop... We drop a game to a Mississippi State who has played bad all season. Like, they have a good team, I guess, but they just weren't able to do anything against the other schools they had played already. But A&M is just, they're just killing themselves. It's so, it's so hard to watch because I know we're talented and I know we have good coaching, but it's just not showing up on the field. And it all comes back to we, we don't have our starting quarterback, you know. <laughs> Zach Calzada, he, he comes in in uh, week two and he has to you know step up and be the guy, but he hasn't stepped up at all, and it's just so painful to watch because we cannot, he cannot throw, he 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 can't he can't make passes. He, in a Jimbo Fisher offense, you have to be able to throw it on the money and get the you know accurate passes that get you first downs and keep the ball moving so you can get into the red zone, and he just cannot do that. And what's sad about him is. He has a great nickname. They call him the Cuban Missile. And I tell you what, he lives up to that name because, like I said earlier, he throws the ball a 1,000 miles an hour every time. Like, okay, I will give him an exception. He did have a touchdown pass that he put a little bit of touch on it. But, dude, like, he is just so bad, and it sucks. It sucks to watch this team just who I would say all the Aggie fans – Going into the season, after we win the Orange Bowl, we finished last season ranked number four. We're number six in the preseason to start, and we're hopeful about maybe going to the playoff. And that those dreams are just far and away now. It, it I mean, you saw me. It was just, I, I, I was just in a lot of pain watching that game. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was feeling for you because literally all of us have been there where it's just a game where, I mean, it was a game too that even I as just a unbiased fan of you know i mean i don't i don't really care about a&m or mississippi state uh i mean i kind of i kind of cheer for the aggies you know just because i appreciate that yeah but uh you know you could tell i mean a&m had the more talented athletes right and obviously i mean i love mike leach but jimbo fisher is one of the best coaches in college football so he's one of five who are current national championship winners right so i mean watching a game where i mean you know texas a&m is kind of better I mean, that Calzada kid, though, I said it to Reese kind of at the end of the game. I was like, man, that guy's just not – he's not there yet. Yeah. He was not ready to not even close, be thrown dude. into this situation. Because, yeah, like you said, Cuban missile. I mean, every throw – I mean, he fastballs it when it needs to be, you know, lofted up in the air or something. Very Joe Milton-esque, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, like, had chances even at the end of the game to come out and, like, finish and – you know, get safety or whatever on the last play doesn't even really give yourself a chance. Oh I, yeah, that was a that was a backbreaker. You know, we have a we have a chance to drive down the field, you know, tie it up or take the lead, and he just takes a safety in the end zone. Oh my god, like it, it, it's just heartbreaking to watch that. Well, and I will say I was confused. We both were. I mean, when you ran the ball, you ran it pretty successfully. I mean, I I guess I could have. There may have been times during the game I wasn't paying as close attention to, or maybe they were. Uh, maybe it was stalling a little bit, and they needed to throw the ball more. But it seemed like for the most part, Texas A&M was gashing in the run game. Yeah, we we averaged five point one yards a carry. 
You, yeah. you run the ball twice and you have a first down. That's what I, at a certain point, I would have been like, man, let's just keep running it or throw dump passes or something. The only thing is you, you're yeah, kind of you worried throw, about the dump pass. You can't passes. throw a dump pass or a screen because he'll rocket it at the guy's face mask and it'll be a drop or an interception. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I mean, is the guy behind him ready at all? No, or is it no like a the guy behind or? him is, he wouldn't even play on a good high school team. He's a walk-on. Okay. Respectfully. Yeah. Now, they're just kids. Remember, we can separate the athletes from the person. Zach Calzada, sure, you're a great guy. Uh, you're a fellow Aggie like myself. But as a football player, you stink. And you make us sad. But, yeah, no, I totally understood. I mean, just a sad, sad game to watch if you're it's an Aggie It's so fan. sad, and I just don't get it. Look at uh, Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback, who's a – he is – I don't even know if I'd call him average. I think he's an okay quarterback, which might mean average, but – He's not a top-tier guy at all. He throws 59 passes in that game, completes 46 of them for 408 yards and three touchdowns. Like, I don't... In Texas A&M, who has a pretty good defense, they were top-ranked in the first three games of the season and, like, not not tippity-top, they're top five, and we're supposed to be able to, you know, stop other teams from scoring, and that's what our pedigree has been the past couple of years. And... I don't know what the defensive coordinator is doing or what the whole team is doing. When you drop eight guys into coverage and you rush three, you uh, rush three guys. I mean, Texas A&M, they have talented defensive linemen, but if you're only rushing three like f- more than 50% of the time and this guy's still picking you apart with eight defensive backs and linebackers, like I don't get it. I don't understand why they didn't pressure this guy more. Yeah, I noticed that too. I didn't understand that at all, why they didn't at least bring four just to – I mean, do some because there was essentially something. no rush. They 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 couldn't. Mississippi State couldn't run the ball. I mean, they ran the ball like seventeen times and averaged one point eight yards per carry. Like, you know, this guy's going to pass on you. Like, what? Do you, I don't understand how you let that guy get four hundred yards on you and throw the ball sixty times. Well, and what was happening was you know having three guys on the pass rush. I mean, yeah, you you have a bunch of guys in coverage, but all that was happening was he just Rogers, the, he was just sit back there yeah, for a while and kind of wait. I mean, it looked somebody's like, going to get open eventually. Yeah, it looked like they were just running like comeback routes too, and he would just kind of throw it out twelve yards and just kind of dink and dunk his way down the field. Yeah, and I will credit Leach a little bit to kind of his you know system of just a total air raid. I think Rogers actually does lead the nation in passing yards currently. Yeah, but I mean, when you throw the ball sixty times a game, yeah, it's like he, you know, he, he he's third in the nation with eighteen hundred yards right now. But okay, I just I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. We average six point eight yards per pass, and they average six point nine. Like it's the same thing, but he just threw the ball sixty times all over us. Yeah, it, it makes zero sense. One highlight for me to come out of the A&M game, uh, there was a bird on the field for like the entire first half, and they kept showing it on TV, and it was really funny. And the entire crowd just started chanting, bird, bird, bird. So that so that was, I mean, I guess that's something memorable. And the only <laughs> thing is, dude, Texas A&M is 3-2. and two. We've lost our two games by a combined 14 points. We're not getting blown out, and we're not getting stomped on. We're just... We're just not winning. It's gross. And I hate it. I know. It's it's tough to be in. And you're kind of at the point where this the season is essentially over. If you're an Aggie fan, you know, like you could still be successful and like go to a bowl game and maybe win a bowl game. But that wasn't your, you know, your hope at this point in the season, right? 
No, absolutely not. It's my hope. At this point, I thought we'd be five and zero going up against a five and zero Alabama team in College Station. It was going to be the game of the year, but not even close to that now. It's and I'm still going to College Station. I'm leaving on Thursday, and I'm going to be there for that night game on Saturday. But it's I don't have any hopes. It's still going to be fun, you know. But I'm going to see all my friends. But I have zero hopes of Texas A&M winning because our quarterback sucks. Mm, rough. Tough, Terrible tough, football tough. fandom. I love football is my favorite sport. It's one of my favorite things in my life. And for both of my teams, the Aggies and the Titans, we'll get to later to lose like that. It just I hate it. Dang, it's tough over here. We're we're never all happy, are we? No. One week it's gonna all line up. We're all gonna be happy. I yeah. I mean, I really hope so. We'll see. We'll see. Um, real quick. We'll go ahead and, Trucial, do you have a Presbyterian update? So, um, I do have a little bit of a Presbyterian update here, um, but not really too much. They had a bye week, so no Presbyterian loss, which is always a win in uh, Pater's books. But uh, we got a big game coming up this weekend, Moorhead State, um, another legit program. Uh, They got their taste with Campbell, lost horribly, played better against Dayton. And now, maybe this is their win against a legit opponent. Got to stop the skid. Yeah, we got to stop the skid here. Got Davidson coming in, uh, around the corner after that. So, some big football games coming for Presbyterian. But, uh, bye week. So, that's it for the Presbyterian minute. All right. And with that, we'll kind of hop into the NFL now that we're done with talking, talking college. Um, first, let's kick it off. We'll talk kind of last night's game, the Sunday night game. The Brady and Belichick Bowl, obviously. Hello, it's me. (laughs) Dude, I will say the whole Adele thing, I saw the, I finally saw the commercial with the Adele, the hello or whatever. Kind of hype. Kind of got me going. No, it was really worked out. I mean, Adele is awesome. And to have the two uh, arguable goats of Brady and Belichick just going onto the screen and the slow-mo videos of them, it was cool. Yeah, and I mean, kind of a typical... Brady game, if you think yeah. about it. The kind weather, of, the defense, the kicker, yeah. it all kind of worked out. It all kind of worked out. But when they needed to drive the field, get three points, what did Brady do? He, he did it. He scrambled for that six-yard uh, six yard third down conversion. He laid it all, uh, all on the line there. No, and, he did. I, and, uh, I hated seeing that Patriots kicker just... Nick oh, Folk. it looked. Oh, you oh, felt just bad for him. Doink it. Like, it was so... That, I mean, that tough was kick. Sad. Tough kick. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't. I would if I was a Patriots fan, I wouldn't be like, yeah, asking to like hang the kicker or anything. No, but, I mean that's a tough kick in the ring. He almost made it. Yeah, I mean, he the almost fact made that it. he almost made it was crazy. I just wanted him to make it so bad. Yeah, and the, I mean you can't. So I mean, the Patriots still had like time to go for a fourth down conversion on that play, but you know, I, I, I you can't hate on the Patriots for not taking that fourth down. And they just go ahead and decide to try a field goal. He had the leg for it. It had the length, but it was just off. So, I mean, you can't really be mad about it. No. It was a tough one. If and you have the distance on a field goal, but it just happens to be a few inches to the left, like, you know, it's not the worst way to lose. No. Not the worst way. And I was – uh Brady has just kind of grown on me more. And I don't know if you guys watched the uh, post-game interview that he did, but, I mean, he is just really – 
I used to not like Brady, but he's a class act, man. I mean, he thanked every single one of his coaches, thanked every single one of his teammates because he broke the uh, career passing yards record. So they wanted to kind of get all that together. He's talking great about New England, talking great about the fans. So well, I like Brady. No, here's my thing. And a lot of people don't know this about me. I love Tom Brady. Really? I just don't. I like, didn't even know that. I just don't like suck him off because yeah. he doesn't have like the natural abilities. The reason I respect him so much is because he's the epitome of if you work hard for something, yeah. you can be the best at it. Like not just be good at it, you can be the best. Yeah, and I he mean, obviously has some athletic. No, yeah, ability I mean obviously the ball, he's, but not. He's not like a Patrick Mahomes. He's a guy who goes out there, watches film every single day, studies defense. Knows his offense, all, all the X's and O's. I mean, all you have to do is look at the combine picture of him. Yeah, like the dude looks like you're at like the epitome of an average Joe. Yeah, he looks like a podcaster that talks about football. And what? Yeah, there we yeah, go. He looks like a middle school bus driver. <laughs> That's tall. <laughs> that was very specific. But I and like it. obviously, he actually looks way better now than he did yeah. when he was in yeah. college. He looks faster. I don't. He's gotten like. I mean, no bonk, but he's gotten like more attractive as a human being as he's gotten older. I don't understand. He's found the fountain of youth somewhere. I mean, he takes care of his body. I yeah. Mean, but that, I mean, and that goes along with it. I mean, he sacrifices so much to be the best at what he does. Definitely. You know, he sacrifices sacrifices red meat. He couldn't imagine doing yeah. that. He hasn't I think eaten he's sacri- a carb in right. like yeah. seven years. Yeah, he doesn't even eat strawberries or something. Or tomatoes or something. Yeah, weird. he's on some crazy diet, but clearly it's working for him. No, yeah. So, yeah, just want to say... Will Dundon, Brady fan. Yeah, but I mean, duly yeah. noted. Good job for the Bucks to win this game, and even with like all of their defensive backs and all of their cornerbacks have like gone injured. Yeah, That's Sherman Rich- was starting. Yeah, Richard Sherman noted like attack people at their you know front doorstep guy recently. Recently, yeah, like crazy. a month ago, is but- now a starting cornerback for the Raiders. I mean the. Brady's that guy. He He recruited AB. He loved Aaron Hernandez. I mean, he liked Josh Gordon. He just wants to win, man. Yeah. Did you guys see one of my favorite things that happened in this game? So, uh, obviously, it's Brady's first return back to New England after all those successful years and all the Super Bowls. And they, they... took some like quotes from some Patriot fans about how they felt about Brady. You know, he left New England and, you know, he wins a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. And this this awesome quote from this Patriots fan named Schwartzy, he said, I'll cheer for him when he comes out. But after that, nah. I want some sacks. I want to see our friggin' linebackers just pummel them and punish him. So great quote from that Patriots fan Schwartzy. There you go. Oh, also, one thing we can't forget about this Patriots game. What in the world is Steve Belichick? Oh, my gosh. He, he, is, he was on some drugs or something. He, he looks was like a carnival insane. character. Like somebody just took him out of the state fairgrounds and put him on the NFL sideline. He side does line. have a beautiful mullet. Come on. you got to admit that. Yeah, but they, they just kept showing him on the sideline. They would yeah, zoom in like right on his face. his like, face. And, he like, seems like he he's looked, the opposite of it. Like He's just such a weird guy. Yeah. Like, it's like he was like playing charades in you know his living room or something with his friends like uh, I don't know on Thanksgiving it was really weird like he just was like making all these weird faces and it looks like he had a a squirrel crawling up his leg for the entire game and yeah I don't know or an itch that he couldn't scratch but I thought that was hilarious they kept showing him no yeah that was definitely a good honestly made for some great memes oh sure. great memes came oh, yeah. out of that game. Um, and we're kind of go. We're kind of going to go backwards and then 
forwards again. But first, uh, we'll talk about the Thursday night game just real quick. We'll cover it. Jags come out up 14-0, and then as quickly Burrow as that time, happened, baby. yeah, Bengals just come back and do the dang thing and come back and win. And something I saw out of Trevor Lawrence that I feel like now I've seen on, on come out of almost all the rookie QBs is I've officially seen all of them with like the ability to make these tough throws and see how much like none of these guys I don't think like there there may come a point where it's like they can't command an offense well enough but the arm talent for every single one of them is there yeah like there's no skill set that like transition from the college to NFL game that's gonna like hinder them yeah if that makes sense it's all about just catching up to the speed of the game and having to throw it in tighter windows and manage the game and do things like that but yeah because i saw it out of i mean trevor lawrence i saw it even out of justin fields this weekend we'll talk about that in a little bit but out of him out of i mean mac jones i wasn't a big fan of mac jones at the beginning of the year but he's, he's looking good he's slowly kind of becoming one of my favorite guys of the class he played really well last night yeah he and did. then even a guy we'll talk about in a little bit zach wilson made some throws that i didn't know he could make so yeah <laughs> just real quick but then yeah jags lose another um real quick we we have to mention Urban Meyer, just yikes, in the doghouse. He is, yeah. He is actively trying to tank himself as the Jaguars yeah. head coach. Is that what it? What if it's all just a ploy to say, "Hey, I, didn't even I need think about that. I need the Jags to USC. get me out of here so I can go coach USC." Yeah, dude. It's great. Well, so for those of y'all who didn't see it, there were several videos that came out. Uh, I guess yesterday, or maybe it was Saturday. Of so the Jags played Thursday. They didn't have a game Sunday. Urban Meyer's out at like this bar or something, birthday party for somebody, and he's in, you know, plain clothes. Actually, it was a Ohio State quarter zip that he was wearing, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. And he's like drinking some, and he's with these people, and like, like th- these girls are just like grinding up on him, and he's like, has his hands on him. It was. He's all about it. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. all about like, it. It was. It was weird, yeah, but he, NFL, I mean, he wasn't. He definitely wasn't pushing anyone away. No, put it that way. and but, he does have a wife and kids, just in case that was not yeah, known. Yeah. So that's why it's kind of a distraction to the team, you could say. It, it, all of football Twitter was just memeing him to death. It was crazy. So Urban Meyer, like, don't be shocked if he comes out, you know, in a couple weeks and says that he has cardiac health issues and he can't. He has to step down from the Jags head coach position. Well, the best part was you click on the video of it and you see all these like replies and people who followed the girl on Instagram or whatever or Tagging on Snapchat. Her. She, well, she they they would screenshot her like Snapchat or Instagram story and it, the caption was like it was a selfie of her and Urban and the caption would be like, "Who is this creepy guy that keeps like flirting with me or whatever?" <laughs> like, and she was just like, "Oh, oh man. my god, it was crazy." Good looking girl too, but yeah. definitely like, a few years younger than Urban. Yeah. But and then he he actually came out. I think I, I saw it today. He talked about it. Yeah, they asked and, him about yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it today. It may have been yesterday, but I think it was today. Uh, he basically came out and apologized. And, you know, it was kind of tried to cover himself or, you know, make up some Yeah, he was saying, like, excuses. well, some people were dancing and I should have just, um, I should have left. And that was really all he, he said he talked to his family. He said he's talked to the ownership, talked to the players about it and everything. So I don't know if it'll be a big distraction anymore, but definitely uh, a funny story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and not probably not super surprising. I feel like Urban doesn't have the best marriage, uh, as we've seen, kind of yeah. going back to when he would try to switch coaching jobs in college and 
Yeah, claim he had health issues, family issues. Family issues, yeah, which maybe the family issues were war- were true, but yeah. he didn't really care about them, so no. we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll jump off that and just kind of cover all these games really quick. Cardinals beat the Rams, pretty much put them in the dirt. I mean, yeah. the Cardinals are really good. There's no question about that. I think it's still just one of those tough division games, though, that the, the Rams dropped. They were fat and happy. I don't think this is like a... A projection of how the Rams will finish, but no, yeah, I still think the Rams are pretty good. No, yeah, I mean th- these games happen. Yeah, so the, Kyler Murray's awesome. He is a video game character. He, yeah, like it, it's not fair. We talked about it. It's not fair for him to have all these offensive weapons. DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green is apparently really good again. Like, and Rondale Moore, a rookie. The Cardinals just have an electric offense, and they score a million points. And Cliff's King, Cliff Kingsbury was wearing sunglasses in an indoor stadium last night, which was really odd. But, hey, I guess if you win, you can do whatever you want. He's Hollywood, man. He's just keeping up the appearance. Yeah. He really is, though. I feel like that actually is kind of his thing now. So he's got to No, he wants to be the cool guy. Yeah. yeah. He's the young guy. I, I mean, let's just – I feel like people don't recognize it enough. The fact that Cliff Kingsbury gets fired from Texas Tech – and then yeah. gets the Arizona Cardinals And job. now has turned them around. To- yeah. I, I mean, the fact that Texas Tech ever fired him I thought was crazy. I don't care if he did have a few losing seasons. I mean, he had other seasons where he did pretty good, you know. And, yeah. He got you, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Well, and he played quarterback there. Yeah, you he know? played quarterback there. Yeah, just a weird – that was so dumb. And, like, Texas Tech, I think they got wrecked this past weekend. Yeah. So, but anyway. Uh, another one, Bill shut out Texans. No real surprise there. I mean – Bills defense five turnovers. Yeah, that was kind of they the big. They looked I mean 40 short. to nothing. Yeah. You don't see that a lot. No. No. The Texans are a dumpster fire. Davis Mills is just not the guy at all. What I know, it's like the Texans are finally the Texans we thought they were yeah. going to be. Yeah. It did it did take, you know, some and it took some injuries and everything to happen though. So. What was that Titans game against New England a few years back in the snow when we lost 52 to 3? I thought yeah. it was fifty nine nothing or, or something. Was it fifty nine nothing? I thought we put up a field know. goal. Maybe, maybe, maybe we. Yeah, did. that was one of the Tom Brady just dismantled us in yeah. the snow. It was terrible. That we, was sad. We had no business being on that field. Yeah, that's. But I mean, we but, went through some dark days as Titans fans. But so yeah, Mitch Trubisky though to. on the Bills scores a touchdown. Good for him. There you go. Mitch is back. He is he on like a one year deal with them, or is he signed for? A it's, couple I'm pretty years? sure it's a one year. Because I was going to say, someone will sign him. He'll be a starter next year, I bet, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like, if the Miami Dolphins don't get rapist to Sean Watson, they might sign Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. I could see it happening. I'm or just now if, saying that, if but it sounds You're good completely out on Tua. Or maybe even I'm te- so out on Tua. Maybe he even sucks. like the Texans or someone would grab him. I don't know. Um, let's see. Cowboys. Cowboys are good, man. The Cowboys are awesome. Dak. Dak is really good. My comeback player yeah. of the year. Yeah. And Trayvon Diggs is killing Had it for the Cowboys. He has hot. five picks already. Yeah. Are we five? He has five picks. Yeah, he has five picks in four games. Good yeah. lord. That's so awesome. So that's I the mean, first time a Dallas player with a pick in each of the first four games since the nineteen seventy merger. So And you know what? This this game like kind of shows us like, hey, the Cowboys are a they're a good football team. They're the best in the NFC East for sure. They're a top NFC team, but it also kind of brings the Carolina Panthers, who were 3-0, to going into this game. It brings them back down to earth a little bit because those first three games they played, they beat teams that 
were 0 and 3 in the first 3 weeks. So I know the Carolina Panthers have some injuries, but it it kind of shows like okay, okay, they are they're, you know, beatable. They're not a juggernaut or anything, which I think we knew, but yeah. It it just proved it for sure. I agree. And and congrats to Ezekiel Elliott because he's had a good season so far. I think he lost yeah. like 20 pounds and he's just he he's looking like the old Zeke looked. So that's awesome. And the Cowboys defense, uh, Dan Quinn, former Atlanta Falcons head coach, has turned that defense around like he they has. are just suffocating people. I like Dan Quinn. That season of hard knocks when they had the Falcons, I think Dan Quinn was the head coach. Really good season of hard knocks, in my opinion. Next, we had the Seahawks over the 49ers. Uh, Garoppolo got hurt, and we got to see Trey Lance. Yeah, I did Trey get Lance. to catch kind of the end of that game. And, man, Trey Lance, he kind of uh, – he was the definition of a gamer kind of at the end. You know, he he wasn't completing a lot of passes, but he completed a few, and then he really improvised really well a lot, would scramble around, get crucial yeah, first Yeah, he's downs. a great scrambler. He yeah. had the 76-yard touchdown to uh, Debo Samuel. Yeah, that was the big one. And then at the end of the game, I think it, it was like a fourth down, and he eventually just tucked it and put a few moves on and just dove forward to get the first down. I thought that was the biggest thing I saw kind of out of that. But uh, Seahawks, I mean, eventually, obviously, came yeah. out on top. They but, were the better team. Good, yeah. I mean, good for the Seahawks to have a bounce-back game. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad. I'm not glad that Jimmy G got hurt, obviously. I would never wish injury on a player. But it is awesome that we get to see Trey Lance because I think he's, I think he's going to be good. I mean, obviously he's a rookie; he's going to have some rookie mistakes. But just seeing some flashes of his running ability and he's able to make good throws, like that's going to be cool. So I see why they drafted him third overall. Also, a cool stat from that game: Russell Wilson joined Peyton Manning as the only quarterback with a hundred wins in their first ten seasons. So big time. That is pretty big, actually. That's wild. Because what? It, I mean, ten wins a year essentially on average, right? Yeah, I mean, ten or more. So good for Russell Wilson. Next, we had the Chiefs beating the Eagles. Didn't the Chiefs end up winning this game by like twenty points or something? Wasn't it like 42, yeah, it was forty-two 20, 30. to thirty? Oh, okay. So never mind. Mahomes with mean, five touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, Chiefs were the Chiefs again. Yeah, the Chiefs are back. I, nobody, nobody counted them out, but they, they're just. Doing all the stuff that they normally do. Also, welcome back Andy Reid off of your stay in the hospital. That might have been last week, but we didn't talk about it. So glad he's healthy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and another guy who's healthy, Tyreek Hill, yes. went off this past weekend. Yeah. And speaking of 100 wins, Andy Reid, that was his 100th win as a coach of the Chiefs. He's yeah. the only coach all time to have 100 different wins, or 100 wins on two different teams, which, yeah. is, which is incredible. He had a uh, 140 victories with the Eagles and got them to a Super Bowl, but they didn't finish it off. No, yeah. He's a guy you, you always wanted to see win a Super Bowl, so yeah. I was glad when he did with the Chiefs and might win another one, you know. I mean, yeah. as long as he doesn't retire, I don't see. I mean, he's got Mahomes and all the weapons he needs, so yeah, kind of keep going. Talking about wins again, Patrick Mahomes, that's his 40th win in, 50, in his first 50 games. He and, that's an unreal He and stat. Kenny Stabler are the only people to ever have 40 wins in their first 50 games. So that's that's a crazy stat, especially in the NFL, where it's you don't see success like that. You rarely do. Right. And he at least came into a situation. I mean, Mahomes did kind of come into a better situation than most guys just yeah. because. I mean, when Got Alex, to sit behind Alex Smith. Well, and when weapons. Alex Smith was there the year before, 
I think they won like eleven games yeah. or something. Like they were really they were always good. in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. So, but still, I mean, regardless, I mean, he took over and didn't miss a beat, and is, I mean, you brought him to a whole nother level. Is the best young quarterback in, in the no NFL. Right I mean, now. he was. He's, he was on the cover of Madden Football this year with Tom Brady, and the theme was GOAT, greatest of all time. And they're, they're, they, Patrick Mahomes, for the past two seasons, has already been elevated to, like, Hall of Famer. So, yeah. Yes. Which and is I don't crazy. Think, and, MVP, well, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl win. Like, I mean, well, no one's yeah. going to really disagree with it. I mean, no, he's I already got a Super Bowl win. It's crazy to see. And he puts up stats, and he throws the ball in a way we've never seen it before. I mean... As long as he doesn't go down. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he will be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. And no one's going to – if you question that, you're insane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And but there's – I don't know. We've been proven wrong because the Chiefs have won a Super Bowl within the past couple of years, and they're awesome, and they just score a bunch of points. But at a certain point, I'm wondering if the Chiefs are getting, like, too cute with their offense. They like to do all this, like, tricky stuff where they motion a bunch of guys and they – snap the ball to somebody who's not looking or Patrick Mahomes makes a no-look throw. Like this past weekend, he does this little underhand shovel pass to a guy on the goal line for a touchdown. Like some of the they're they're gonna do something like that soon and it's gonna come back to bite him. Somebody's gonna block one of those underhand passes or intercept it and turn it for six. Like you you gotta watch out if you're Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy as the uh, offensive yeah. gurus for the Chiefs because that kind of stuff it can only work for so long. Hey, the softball pass might be uh, back. Yeah. Well, we, we have seen the, the no-look pass get picked. I think it actually got picked off like a week or two ago. So, yeah. I mean, stuff like that, yeah, it's obviously – I mean, it's really cool when it when it works. And I there is a time where – I mean, he's not the only guy who's done that. He's kind of the only guy who gets broadcasted yeah. and advertised. Yeah, because he does it a lot. Though. Yeah, the internet does Stafford has done it a few times. Something. Yeah, but I mean, it's – it's one of those things. I mean, if you can do it, yeah, do it. But also, he's done it before when there's been a guy like wide open in the end zone, and you're like, dude, just look just, and throw yeah, it to him because <laughs> he's yeah. mi- cause he's missed it before when there's yeah. wide open. Yeah. So, uh, also, Giants got a win. I will say we we kind of been talking about Saquon Barkley maybe not being that good. He had a great game. Yeah, he's I mean, turned it around a little bit here. He was kind of the main focal point of that game. I think Daniel Jones also played pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, good yeah, for the Daniel Giants Jones to get a win. Pretty well. I mean, uh, they were they were starting to go into the category of this team is going to be a complete failure this season, and Joe Judge as the head coach is a, a goofball, and they're going to fire him. But hey, good for them they they pull they pull one out this weekend. So nice to see him get the win. Uh, Saints, famous Jameis. I don't know. I don't know if they're legit or what they're really going to be this season. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't even really have an opinion on them. Yeah, like it's I, too early to tell. I could see it working out. I can see it not working out. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen enough to really form a full opinion on because we know Jameis has the ability to yeah. make to make some awesome throws. Has the arm talent to light it up, but also you know he's pretty careless with the ball sometimes. I mean, nothing that that everyone doesn't already know, right? So. I mean, you just kind of have to watch that play out, and after maybe a season or two, if they're not winning, if they're not getting to the playoffs at least, you know, yeah. definitely they're going to go another direction. Did you did y'all see that Taysom Hill touchdown though? I saw that he scored one, but I didn't. Uh, see he what broke like happened. six tackles or something. Oh, it was just man. the most Taysom Hill play ever. Like he ran like straight into two or three guys and then bounced off of them and just like I mean, he high stepped off the other he's guys. A tank. 
He's awesome. I mean, he is the definition you gotta of a love football Taysom player. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely. does everything. He does everything. Um, well, do we want to talk a little uh, rookie QBs? I know that was uh, something we wanted to talk a little bit about here. Mac Jones looked pretty good. Zach Wilson obviously looked good. Damn it. Justin Fields looked pretty good. Did they all? Wait. Uh, Ma- they, so Mac Jones all, didn't win. Well, yeah, no, they didn't. Did. But Zach Wilson won. So Zach Wilson Fields won. and Fields were the only ones to get yeah. wins this week. Right. Trevor Lawrence lost. Trey Lance. Okay. I don't know why for a second I thought they all won. Or oh, something. yeah. But, yeah but, no, they obviously didn't. But, but we got all, to see all five, which is cool. And yeah. all played uh, pretty well still. I yeah. mean, obviously, Mac Jones, they only scored 17 points. But like I said, he's a guy who, I mean, he just looks so comfortable out yeah. there. And like I said, I wasn't a huge believer in him just because I didn't. I mean, I just hadn't seen enough from Alabama to like you know cement him as a long starter in the NFL but I mean I like the way he throws the ball and I like the way he stands in the pocket and makes plays and really manages the offense yeah. that's the main he thing. makes good decisions especially in that New England offense under Belichick you just got to make sure you fit in the system and can manage the game yeah I mean dare I say I mean it's the same offense that Tom Brady ran so that's probably why I'm thinking this but he he looks like if you change that number 10 to a number 12 you might would be able to fool me into thinking that that's Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, also, just seeing Justin Fields get a win felt good for him. I mean, it's a lot. The really the main thing I took away from that is I'm like, man, the Lions exist to just like let bad teams beat them. Yeah. I mean, they are on another level, especially. I mean, is the Lions are going to get a win this year though? They're going to get a couple. I think they will just because. I mean, I really like their coach. I really like uh, yeah, Dan Campbell. Campbell's great. Yeah. Here's a, here's a cool stat I saw about Justin Fields, even though I'm still on the he's not good train, because that's my take. I'm going to ride it until he might be good. I don't know. But he was four of six on passes of 20-plus air yards. So airing it out if you're Justin Fields, and you're, you're excited to see that if you're a Bears fan. So, yeah, for sure. And we already kind of touched on Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence. Real quick, we'll go into kind of the Titans game. Zach Wilson played I mean didn't play like out of this world but made a lot of really good throws I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make and I mean obviously made, if you're if you're a Titans fan gosh yeah he made the off schedule throws which is why the Jets drafted him I mean at BYU he was able to you know escape the pocket and make a you know since we can make the comparison that everybody else does he makes a Patrick Mahomes type play you roll out you you know find some space give yourself one, two, three extra seconds, and you find an open receiver. And it turns out that he, Zach Wilson, does that for like two or three big passes against the Titans defense. So that's, I mean, if you're a Zach Wilson person or a Jets fan, like that's exciting to see because he's been bad the first three weeks besides this last game. Yeah. And real quick, we actually had a uh, fan call in our buddy uh, Thomas Neal, longtime listener since day one, called in. And uh, we actually have the voicemail. We're going to play for y'all right here to kind of get his takes from the game. Hey, this is Thomas Neal. I've been an avid listener of the podcast, Pater. Uh, huge fan of y'all. I just want you guys to know that I'm sick of being a Titans fan. Um, I, I think that you guys should really rip them a new one this coming podcast. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Curious to hear. But, um, you know, Derek Henry... Yeah, he's great. I'm pumped that we still have him, but I think it's time for Tannehill to go. See you later. Bye. 
All right, so guys, that was Thomas Neal. Very uh, upset with the Titans. I think we can all agree. He he did, uh, didn't he? He did call in later, or he did tell Reese later that he was joking about the Tannehill uh, take, I believe. Right, Reese? Yeah, I mean, he, he was, but I think in the moment, the heat of the moment, because that was like I 30 it. minutes after the game ended. In the heat of the moment, he probably was out on Ryan Tannehill. Well, because I'll say it seemed that Tannehill was kind of the reason. I mean, we were able to stay in that game, that, especially that drive at the end and being able to throw that ball to Cam Batson and everything. The last touchdown saved us pretty much. Um, the thing that pissed me off the most is this is typical Titans, right? So I thought we were different. I mean, yeah, I guess I so. I thought we were different too. Yeah, but, but I'm saying this. You're right. This is a typical Titans off two good wins. Go in, play a horrible team, and lose. Play a the horrible worst team, team in the league. Well, maybe the Lions, but Jacksonville's up there. Too. Jacksonville too. Yeah, I mean, play a, play a horrible team and lose. And at this point, I mean, I love Mike Vrabel, but it kind of is. I mean, this is on the coaches, right? I mean, it's just a game you basically laid down for. I know you were missing AJ Brown and Julio Jones, but still, I mean, to just there were times where it just seemed like we were sputtering. There wasn't a whole lot to get excited about, at least yeah. on offense. I think the defense didn't do that bad of a job for the well, most part. I've got a take about the defense right off of that. They didn't do a bad job for the most part. Um, Bud Dupree didn't play, so we couldn't. Harold Landry had a great game, I think. He, he was able to get a lot of pressure and maybe a sack or two. Um, he, he was flying over the field, but the Titan, what's killing the Titans is they are just getting the top blown off of the defense they have like Given nine up. plays or something crazy like that that just like have gone for more than 30 yards or something i have to look at the stat but the no top you're right is, yeah the yeah. top is just coming off the defense and they uh, if you don't give up those big plays you're winning these games but the Titans just continue every single game to give up these big throws against you know receivers and to, to have it happen against the jets you let Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback, have his furthest two his two farthest completions of the year, a fifty three and a fifty four yarder against you. It's disgraceful and disrespectful to us as fans. Yeah, the big plays have been absolutely killer, and it's like the Seattle game. It was like total blown coverage where guys were just wide open. This yeah. time it was like guys were kind of covered, but obviously you didn't make the play. Yeah, and then I'm thinking of one play where I think Wilson like fumbled the ball. And picked, and it, picked up it up and still up. just launched it yeah. for a huge completion. And you're just like, dude, what are like, what are we doing? He looked like Lamar Jackson out there, the way he was dodging sacks and running around, throwing across his body on the opposite side of the field. I mean, it was insane. I, I mean, mean, at least, I mean, my the best play of the game for the Titans was definitely towards the end, Wilson going in for the touchdown and Danico Autry just reading that, that was play. Huge. Oh, that was awesome. He read that That's, like a book and I mean, went and just laid the wood to him. And I, mean, I that, thought that was the game-saving play. It but, was a momentum shifter. And then it was kind of like, you know, we had the ball, and the biggest thing is it just took us so long. Yeah. To get to, I mean, that's we, why we had to we kick a field pay, goal. We weren't playing with real urgency when we first – I was like, look, yeah, we have three minutes, and that's time, but, like, don't be lollygagging around. Hurry up to the ball. Hurry up. Get moving. It felt like we just didn't I mean, have no sense of urgency. Th- I mean, and that's what happened. You You get to the end, and – I mean, you didn't get that far down the field. You got close enough to get into field goal range, but ideally it's like I mean, ideally you want to go and score a touchdown. Yeah. We gotta we gotta get going. I will say one thing that I noticed that didn't get talked about enough that I tweeted out during the game, uh 
Tannehill makes a big throw to Chester Rogers over the middle. He and was he gets his up knee to, didn't touch his knee. Chester yeah. Rogers was not down. They blew the whistle too early, yeah. and it was like he got up and, and started he running like, again. Uh, I mean, he's fast enough. He could have gone, gone, gone all touchdown. the way, yeah, because he got up and there was a lot of daylight. Yeah, I mean that. But, I hate that when a play like that happens, and it's like. But it's I also mean, you can't boil it down to that one play. No. There was plenty of we. The Titans had plenty, plenty of chances to put this game away. We kicked three field goals in a row. That's that's what I was just about to get to. What what besides the defense getting the top blown off of them? What it came down to is in the first half you are in the red zone within like. The ten yard line, I think, on all three drives, and you don't score a touchdown. Yeah. You kick three field goals. We finished. You should have twenty one points. It should have been twenty one to seven rather yeah. than nine to seven. So. No, yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, nine to nothing is like the worst. Po- if you're, I mean, as far as getting into the red zone or getting on their side of the field and coming away with nine points is like one of the worst things you can do in a game. But I mean, yeah. and and I get what y'all are saying. Like there are plenty of opportunities, but it does just really suck it when does. it's. I mean, it's overtime. Like all that stuff has happened. It's over. It's done with. When you see a play like that, that you're just thinking that that could have been the game right there. Yeah. And they just called him down. I I hate seeing that, but I, I mean, I don't totally disagree. I mean, at at the end of the day, you're playing the Jets. You're the Titans. You're better, even without two of your best receivers. You're a better team. You should be better coached. That's what I'm kind of most pissed about. You should be coached well enough to where you go in and take care of business regardless and win that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's And it didn't help the Titans that they ran into the Jets' defense, which is actually not bad at all. They their line, best, their defensive line they, is very they good. Have yeah. the best, they have the best red zone defense in the league. Like So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that they didn't score three touchdowns in the first half when they're in the red zone. The Jets, credit them, they, they did well. But the Titans' offensive line is just terrible. Atrocious. Atrocious. We're covered in injuries, but even even when they were supposed to be healthy. Quisenberry they, looked rough. Lawan looked rough. Yeah, the tackles like, are bad. Nate Davis, is he's come he's fallen off yeah, a little bit regressed. after two really good seasons. and. It's just ugly, dude. They, and Derrick Henry had 157 yards. If you tell me Derrick Henry has 157 yards in a game and a touchdown, that's I would think that the Titans win that game. Yeah, I wish I had the stat pulled up, but there used to be a stat where it was like if Derrick Henry rushes for 100 yards, we're like 30 and one or something. Yeah, crazy something crazy like that, you know. So yeah, I agree with that. I mean, just I mean, just a total, just a total. I mean cluster of a game honestly when it comes down to it you just never really you didn't look like a winning team no you know and we can still fix everything like I don't want to be the super negative fan right here and be too focused on what just happened last week I think we can turn it around if we get healthy we'll see what happens but the offensive line is going to need something something right. to happen Right, and we've seen it before where, I mean, we lose games like this. We did it last year against Cincinnati, and then we end up still winning 11, 12 games or something. And I, I hope we still do that. But it's just, this stuff shouldn't be happening. Yeah. When you're a good team, when you're a team that's consistently in the playoffs, that's a, can, I mean, since Vrabel's been there, we've had a winning season every year, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be still losing to teams like this, in my opinion. I know it's the NFL. You can lose any game. But, I mean... I don't want to be losing to the worst teams in the league anymore, especially when we're a offense. I know they have a great defense, but when we're an offense who scored the most the most touchdowns since 2019, I mean, come on, let's get in the end zone. Yeah. Well, and this is where I thought even with AJ and Julio being out for this game, this is where I thought this that this Titans team was different. And I guess, you know, they can still 
come back from it and change our minds, but they go out last week and beat the Colts, the biggest division rival that we have, and you know another team that's struggling, but they come out and take care of business and they beat the Colts, you know, and they. I thought that that's what this Titans team was. I thought that they had come over that hump of dropping the ball and losing a game to a team that they're more talented than and better coached than. And it did not happen this week. And it's so ugly to just have this roller coaster if you're a Titans fan. But also, shout out uh, a positive note Jeremy McNichols had a big game. He did. He got us out of some serious third longs. He was our. He was. He was our best receiver. Yeah. Our best receiver. He had eight catches for 74 yards. Jeremy McNichols, to me, has just been what we kind of hoped Darrington yes. Evans would be. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And you know what? People, some Titans fans are mad about this or mad about that, but the ones that are mad about Ryan Tannehill are crazy. Ryan Tannehill was the only reason that we were still in that game in the fourth quarter. Like, he, he was working with his number three, number four, number five receivers on the team. Like... And he was moving the ball downfield when it had to happen. He was making the throws that needed to happen with a terrible offensive line that gave up seven sacks. We've given up the most sacks this year in the league, the most out of any other team. It's terrible. And Ryan Tannehill is doing the best that he can. And I I think it's crazy for some people to be calling him out and saying that he's bad or whatever. Well, and the bottom line is, even when our offense is clicking, when our offensive line is doing well, when our receivers and running backs are doing well, Ryan Tannehill is the perfect quarterback for our system. For the yeah. offense that we run, he fits it as well as anyone. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he I does. just mean like the as far as the throwing talent and the mobility he has, I mean, it, it all matches up with what we try to run, you know? Yeah, I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and maybe Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill can make any throw that any other quarterback can make. And he's mobile. Like... And outside I mean, we've of, seen him take off for like a 50-yard touchdown. We saw him last year against Green Bay take off yeah. for 50 yards for he, a touchdown. He's not Lamar Jackson, but, I mean, he can run and he can make all the throws that you need him to make. Well, and he's so durable. I think that's what a lot of people were nervous last week because he kind of took some hits or he would lower his shoulder instead of sliding. But, I mean, the fact – I mean, he played receiver in college. The guy's used to taking hits, and thank goodness he is because he's been getting hit a lot. So the fact that he's able to stand in there and take hits, I mean, not a lot of other quarterbacks can do that, you know? No, definitely not. I mean – if Marcus Mariota were our quarterback and he had been sacked 17 times this year, he would have been broken in half and been in a wheelchair. So Ryan Tannehill, I love him, and I'm still on his side. And, you know, I know you're upset with Vrabel, and, I mean, I guess he, you have a right to be. Like, they, they haven't been coached well, I guess. I don't know. I still think they're he's a really good coach, but they're just not executing, which maybe that is a coaching thing, but it also comes down to the players making the right plays. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I, I'm just wondering if it's like a... I mean, why are you... Le- it's It always seems like it happens to us against lesser opponents. And I'm thinking, is that a trickle-down effect? Like, is everyone kind of taking the week off or something? Yeah. So that's the only reason I really say that. Because, I mean, the game plan doesn't really change a whole lot, you know? No. I mean, they know what they're going up against. They're going to prepare. But is it more of just a mindset of, oh, hey, we're just playing the Jets? You know, is it all talk when they talk about how... Oh yeah, we're worried about Zach Wilson, but are they really like? I mean, dude, we're not really that worried about Mister Int. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I, I'm upset. I I think we'll we'll kind of get it back together. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll we'll kind of transition into the next topic. But yeah, a lot of Titans fans upset. So 
We'll see what happens as the season goes on. We have a bounce back game against the Jags next week, and by God, I hope Derrick Henry runs for 250 yards on him. That that would be the key. And, you and know I mean, what? I that wouldn't be unusual. I don't, you know what? At this point, after this past week and losing to the Jets, I don't give a damn if you know AJ and Julio want to take a rest week. If they're healthy, they better be out there because we need them. Like AJ Brown, I'm starting to get concerned about his durability. Yeah, and screw this low management yeah, stuff. Like, sure. if that's really the case, uh, hey, we're not the Lakers. Like, we don't have an 82 game season and LeBron on our team. Yeah, like, we're uh, trying to win the division. We're trying to get playoff spots, dude. Yeah, like, come every, on. You got you got to. Every game is important. You got to win. You got to yeah. hope to win every game. You know, like yeah. you got to go in wanting to win every game you know, until you've clinched something. You know, that might be a thing on Mike Vrabel. If Julio Jones was a healthy, you know, he was health. If he was actually healthy this week, he should have been out on that field because. We needed that receiver threat to balance out the running game with Derrick Henry. Yeah. There's no way that Julio would not have like taken the top off of the Jets' secondary or had a red zone touchdown catch or something like that. So, I don't know. Going I'm along, just pissed about football this weekend. Damn it. It's tough week for Reese. We'll go into a little more lighthearted segment. Um, favorite player of the week for all of us. We kind of did this last week talking about our fantasy teams. Um, you can kind of take it. Th- I'm going to take it that route. You'll take it however you want. Just kind of whether it was a performance this week or you, who you've been excited about so far this season. Um, Trusha, you want to kick us off with kind of your favorite player of the week? Yeah. So this is a uh, quarterback in a uh, separate league than our league that our three pay dirters here are in. Um, but he's sitting on my bench. But I'm glad I have him on the bench. He's a great backup quarterback to have, and that's Daniel Jones who had 30 fantasy points last week or this past week, 400 yards, two touchdowns, two-point conversion. I think the Giants might be turning around here, and he's been a good quarterback fantasy-wise all year. He's got a great uh, great mobility. So Daniel Jones, that's my guy. He's uh, favorite player of the week. Yeah, he's streaky. Like, you, yeah. I mean, he's he's a guy who I've seen enough from him that I'm like, okay, he can, he can be good. Because there are already talks of, hey, do the Giants need to draft another quarterback? Well, I don't I, like. I don't. I really just don't pay enough attention to the Giants to know if that's necessarily true yet. But I've watched enough of him to say, hey, he can. He can get it done. Yeah, and, he can make some plays. Yeah, so it'll it'll be cool to kind of see how the rest of the season plays out for them. They have a lot of other problems too that yeah. stemming from things other than quarterback. So that's another thing to take into account. My favorite guy this week is on. He's on my fantasy team. I've started him. I think I actually didn't start him last week, which turned out to be our like a good move. But this week, my guy Debo Samuel, another guy kind of like Mike Williams, who I drafted kind of in the middle rounds. You know, I think he was injured for a lot of last year, so people were kind of staying away from him. But, man, he is, I think, the most targeted guy on the Niners right now, and especially this past weekend. I mean, guys were going to him. You know, he's he was the safety blanket for the Niners. Yeah. Had 35.7 fantasy points for me. Another week of over 150-plus yards receiving two touchdowns. Uh, he had around 30 fantasy points the first week and then followed it up with around 16 or so. So last week when I benched him, I think he only had 10, so was, I'm glad I kind of made that move. But, I mean, just a consistent guy. He's going to, I think for the most, like for the majority of the season, he'll probably sit around that, you know, 16 to 22 range, which is, you know, pretty good. And then, you know, he'll have days like he did on Sunday where he'll just busted wide open and he's a big play threat i think that's the biggest thing for him is he's a guy who you can throw a bomb to or throw a swing pass to and he'll take it the distance 
Also, the name Debo is just really awesome. I like Debo. He was a guy coming out of college. I was like, this guy's got to be good. Like, he was at South Carolina in just a Swiss Army knife form, kind of, you know, returning kicks and punts. They're obviously their number one target as a receiver in college. So, yeah, big Debo Samuel guy. All right. Coming from the clouds this season, on a very, like, gross team, the Falcons, Cordero Patterson is awesome. I love it. Cordero Patterson is, you know, he's everything Taysom Hill wants to be. He is a Swiss Army knife. This guy, the the Falcons are putting him at running back. Yeah. He, he had six rushes for 34 yards. Somebody do the math for that on for me on that. That's like it's around five, that's five and a half carry. yards a carry or something like yeah. that. Six yards almost. Yeah. Yeah. He had five receptions for 82 yards and three touchdowns. Cordero Patterson has just been... Like, he's been on several, several teams, like four or five, I think, and he just continues to make plays. Like, he he can return punts for touchdowns, kicks for touchdowns. He will catch a deep ball, catch a fade. He'll take a, you know, a sweep in the backfield as a running back and just, you know, run people over. He's so awesome. And, I like, he was so awesome when he played for the University of Tennessee, too. So, I love watching Cordero Patterson play. Yeah, he went off this week, and I think he had... He had 34 points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he went off as well. He's like a touchdown guy. Yeah, he's... Somehow he just gets in the end zone, I yeah, feel like. He just has a nose for the end zone and a nose for the football, and I love that like, he just makes other people look silly. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, those those three guys, all of them, I mean, doing really well. He's my exception. This past week. He's my exception to the dreadlocks take. He's always had his dreadlocks. And they, like Derrick Henry, they give him his powers. You know, and he's been in the league a while. He's just kind of stayed around in the yeah. league and bounced around a little bit, but been a pretty good asset for any I mean, team he's been on. Well, he's been, I think he's like six-time All-Pro. Uh, return. Well, yeah, he was, return man. when he first came in, I think he was on the Vikings. Yeah. 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 And Even was like, just lit it up as a kicker. Last year, he was first-team All-Pro uh, return man. I was looking this up. Um, yeah, he... And I think he set the record for most um, most kickoff touchdowns. Or tied it. Tied it. Tied it yeah. with like yeah, Devin Hester or something. Devin Hester's punt returns. But yeah. Th- so just straight. Josh Cribs straight or yeah, Josh Cribs. Or like um, Josh Cribs and then there was somebody Washington. else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cordero. Gotta love him. I do love Cordero. He was so awesome to watch at UT. Like he was. In that Cheney offense with Bray... Cordero and Justin, Justin Hunter. Hunter and even Zach Rogers could have had Dayrick uh, there as well if he hadn't uh, gotten in a little trouble. But yeah, that was actually I think he was on the team. Wasn't he on that team with Cordero or was he gone already? I think he was before. Okay, he might have been before. He he had to go to Tennessee Tech or whatever for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving it. Speaking of college football, let's preview kind of this upcoming weekend real quick. Uh, the the biggest game for me is definitely Iowa Penn State. Yeah, number three, three versus number, number four. four. I mean, that's I mean, I, obviously playoff implications right there. An October Big Ten grudge match. This is a trenches game. I know, and I wonder. I hope it's chilly. I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, it's still like kind of early October, but I'd love for it to be a real cold game. This is yeah. also a real Big Ten match. Also a great like uniform matchup. You got Penn State in the the white and the navy, and the Iowa and the black and yellow. It is a good uniform matchup. Right. I think it'll be good. I I'm back and forth on Iowa's uniforms. Like they kind of look like the Steelers, or they kind of look like just like a good traditional uniform. Or but at the same this... time, I'm like, do they just look like bumblebees or something? Yeah. Or do the Steelers look like the Hawkeyes? 
I don't know. That's true. Probably. Hawkeyes yeah, because Iowa's, yeah, Iowa's yeah. definitely been around longer than those Either way, have. big game, top five matchup. Pretty sick. Definitely. Yeah. Probably got, won't. I hope it's one of those Big Ten games that's like nine to six. Yeah. Just a defensive group. Well, that's match. the thing. I, Iowa's offense, I mean, I know they played, they scored like 50 on Maryland last week, but that was mainly due. I mean, Maryland had six turnovers. Uh, Talia threw like five picks. So I was definitely been big on defense, but before scoring 50 that last week against Maryland, uh, we're struggling to put up a bunch of yards on offense anyway. Like Iowa is the perfect team that just capitalizes on anything you give them. If you make a mistake, like they'll, if you give them a turnover, like they'll score a touchdown. They're that kind of team. They capitalize on any mistake you make. Agreed. I'd say, I mean, we got a couple other big games that I want to hit on. We got Georgia-Auburn, Arkansas-Miss, and then the Red River Shootout, Texas-Oklahoma. So, next week we've got uh, some fun games to watch. Well, in Oklahoma, we've already seen, is but like, they're not in that tier with Alabama and Georgia. No, not even know? close. So They're going to drop one soon. Well, and they could lose, I mean, to Texas. There's yeah. no reason they couldn't. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've almost lost to just about everyone they've played. Yeah, I mean... They almost lost to Kansas State and Tulane, like and Oklahoma and Nebraska. Shout out! They're going to drop one. They might even drop more than one soon. Oklahoma is not good. Rattler's just not Rattler. Not good. I mean, he's not terrible, but he's not great. I would rather have Spencer Rattler than the Cuban Missile. I will tell you that much. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, true. yeah. If A and M had Spencer Rattler, yeah, yeah. I'd <laughs> like we had Spencer Rattler had college Rattler football playoff. Book it. Dang. But also, he's kind of a jerk, so I don't really care. Yeah, I'm not a big Spencer Rattler fan. Oh, well. What are kind of some of the other games we got going on here? Texas A&M, Bama. I'll be there. Yep. I mean, it's not a... Texas A&M's not even in the top 25 anymore. We have two losses, but who knows? Anything can happen in college football. This is just like college football year 2007. So, do the Aggies shock the world and beat Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide? Probably not, but... I'll be there to see it either way. There you go. We got LSU, Kentucky, and then Michigan and Nebraska, too, to, to name a couple other big games. LSU, Kentucky will be good to watch. Just because, yeah. like I said, Kentucky's a weird team. I don't know how good they are. Like, there's no reason LSU couldn't come out and beat them after they lost a close one to Auburn on Saturday. That'll be definitely one to look at. Um, and then, yeah, Nebraska-Michigan is one. So, this is a huge game for Nebraska. Actually, it's a huge game for both of them. The reason it's such a huge game for Nebraska is you finally are coming off some momentum. And I think Vegas had it as, I think Michigan is only favored by one. Uh, going in, it's at Lincoln. It's going to be at night, you know. So it's gone up to Nebraska plus three. Okay, never mind. I'm, I may have been wrong then, or it may have been a different book or something. But so, Nebraska plus three, I mean, regardless, that's a pretty low spread considering... Nebraska's three and three, and Michigan's an undefeated top ten team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is what kind of the Nebraska program would need if they could win against a top ten team. That's exactly what Scott Frost needs for this program. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think they have a good chance, but uh, and then also on top of that, Michigan has different aspirations. They are looking to win their division finally. Yeah, and Harbaugh. Ohio I mean, State slipped a little bit. I mean, this is this is the best chance they have. So this is a game. I mean, they need to win all of them, you know? Yeah. If Harbaugh really wants to kind of take that next step, which he's been trying to do ever since he got there, they have to win this game. And, uh, I mean, just keep the train moving. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that pretty much covers it for college football. Do you guys want to go ahead and uh, preview NFL here? Absolutely. We'll, we'll look uh, real quick at the Titans versus Jags. I mean, I hope I hope the Titans come out. I, I mean, if we lose to two rookie quarterbacks two weeks in a row, I might just I might just hang it up. I, yeah, I don't know what I would do. I mean, you, you have to come out when this – and this is usually what we've seen, right? If you lose a game like this, the Titans come out and then they – you know, go on a little bit of a run. They need a little fire lit under them. Yeah. But gosh, yeah, just win. I mean, do what you know how to do best. Just win. Give the – Derrick Henry, I don't know the stats, but I'm pretty sure the past, like, four games we've played the Jacks, he's had at least 150 yards on the ground. Just give the, him the ball, please. We're, uh, we better we better win this game or I don't know what's going to happen. The city of Nashville will riot. Yeah, and then what do you have kind of as the other big NFL games on yeah, the schedule I mean, anyway? Thursday night kicks us off pretty strong. We got the uh, L.A. Rams going up to Seattle, so a big division game. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so that's going to be big on Thursday. We've also got, staying in that division, Arizona and the 49ers play in the afternoon game um, on Sunday, or one of the afternoon games. So Talk about betting the over in those two games. We'll see. Points, points, points. We'll see. We got Bills Chiefs Bills as the Chiefs. Sunday night game, so that's a great Sunday that's a, night that's game. That's a possible prequel to the AFC Championship. What Titans aren't involved, so I don't know about that. But well, <laughs> well, I'm not going to involve the Titans after what happened yesterday. Yeah. But you know, you know, you know what I mean. The two young quarterbacks that are awesome in the AFC, besides like Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, uh, you got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. A great rocket arm battle. Some serious rocket arms. And then we we finish Monday night off with one of our favorite opponents, the Colts, and another one of our favorite opponents, the Ravens. I hate the Ravens. But that – I mean, if the Ravens – this is one of the games like the Titans. If the Ravens don't dismantle the Colts, then wow. You're you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah. This is a statement game for the Ravens. Quentin Nelson just went on IR. Colts are in trouble, so – and you got Browns Chargers. I know the Browns didn't play that well this week, but I think that should be an interesting game. I mean, just to see this is the early half of the season like where the AFC and the NFC they just kind of like shake out and we see who's who. The Browns we haven't talked about it and I meant to mention it earlier, but they have Chunt. They have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That dynamic duo of running backs is really good. Two-headed monster. Yeah, a, a legit two-headed monster, better than any other running back duo in the league. So I think – and Baker Mayfield's been okay this season. So I think if Chunt can go off, Browns win this game because they have a really good defense. Miles Garrett's And a awesome. very good offensive line. Yeah. If not the absolutely. best in football. We have a good offense. We do have a good offense. So – um, we got a couple of segments before we close out here. That's pretty much uh, it for the NFL. Reese, as always, we want to visit a certain toasty corner. And whose corner would that be? That is the hot corner with the lawyer, Thomas Swafford. Uh, the past two weeks have been a whirlwind of takes from, from our buddy in North Carolina. And let me tell you, they are. it doesn't stop. They just keep getting hotter and hotter. So... Um, Let's start off with this. From Thomas himself, top five NFL quarterbacks in five years, uh, parentheses, giving Brady time to retire and leave the one spot open, 
Rodgers and Russell Wilson will fall off some at that point. So here's his top five. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Mac Jones coming in at three, uh, and then he's putting Joe Burrow in at four and uh, Josh Allen at five. So you got Justin, you got you got Herbert, Mahomes, Jones, Burrow, and Josh Allen. I mean, obviously, the glaring one within that the pops next five out years is is Mac Jones. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I like Mac Jones more, but I don't. But know to say I'm... he'll be top five in the league, even in five years, I mean, I've no, I I feel very confident saying Herbert, Mahomes, probably Josh Allen, uh, and then even I mean, even Burrow. I mean, I like Burrow; he's pretty good. Yeah, you have Burrow and Mac Jones. Is Lamar going to still be in that uh, group? I mean, maybe. Not according to Swaff. I mean. I wouldn't put him in that group I wouldn't now. Put, no, I wouldn't no. put him now. Yeah, I mean, you, you Swaff wants to put Mac Jones in number wait, three wait, wait. within the next five years. Okay, so hey, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a Kyler Murray. I'll probably keep him in yeah. there. Yeah, That's, agreed. I think that is maybe something that would happen. Arch, <laughs> Arch Manning? <laughs> wait, yeah, that's will, what will I said. Be I, in the uh, NFL? No, he what probably if, won't be, but. I think, was I talking. Reese, was I talking to you about this this week? And I said, do the Titans, do we kind of play the long game a little bit? And when when Tannehill starts going down, is that the time Arch, Arch Manning will be I think, coming out I of the I think we're going to let Tannehill go down for the next, like, four years, have one year of Woodside, and then get Arch Manning. Tank with Woodside? I'm, I'm down for a tank with Woodside. Because at that point, I don't think Derrick Henry uh, will be around anymore. Julio Jones won't be around anymore. Maybe we'll have A.J. Brown, but I'm down to tank with Woodside and get Arch Manning. Anyways, moving on to number two. Thomas Swafford says, College football has become a total joke. Outside of the four programs, Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, who have been in the only college football playoff contenders since its inception, and one awesome year by Joe Burrow, there is just sloppy football being played all around the country. A playoff designed to bring in four title contenders a year has produced four total over the past seven years outside of Joe Burrow. Defenses are a clown show. Oklahoma had two Heismans and a Heisman runner-up back-to-back-to-back at quarterback and never once belonged on the field in a national championship. Where is USC, Notre Dame, Florida State, Michigan, Nebraska, and Auburn? Some of these schools have descended to mid-major level football. The top 25 contains about eight good football teams, and the rest are a total joke. Okay, well, first of all, I will say I will say when Baker Mayfield was playing in Oklahoma, I'd say they deserved to be on the field. Pre- really should have won that game against Georgia and gone to the national championship. Also, I mean, Clemson's not going to be in the playoff this year. No. no. Like, we're going to see a new team in there. I mean, it, I mean, and it may very well be, like we said, Bama or Georgia winning it. I think he's just saying historically with them. Right, yeah, no, I, I get what he's saying. Um, but, I mean, I think what makes college – I get it. So, for a, for a lot of people, what makes college football awesome is, like, the NFL we've said, you know, anyone – like, an upset can happen at any time. Anyone can win. Anyone can beat anybody any week. But the thing is, is in the NFL, even if you have, like, a really bad team, like, it's still the NFL – like, as bad as you are, since you are able to win against anyone any week, it's not as big of an upset as if you, say, saw, like, like we saw, like we saw State, State beat Alabama. Or, or like State we saw beat Michigan. Yeah, App State beating Michigan. Stanford beating Oregon this past week. And I get what, he, what a lot of people are upset about 
is there hasn't been a lot of diversity as far as the playoff has gone. But, I mean, we're in the middle of, well, hopefully at the end of the greatest dynasty of all time in Nick Saban in Alabama. So, um, what I mean, what was his, like, main point on that? Just the fact that, like, there's not not enough, like, changing I as think far I think he teams? just means, like, there's not enough parity as far as the college football playoff. And what he's saying is college football as a whole. Like, outside of those, you know, blue blood teams – uh, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, that like college football has been a joke this season. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it's just come from Nick Saban being Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. maybe so. And he also tagged that along with, hey, this is kind of props to me. He said, A&M is probably one of the eight best teams in the country and just got beat by Mississippi State and Arkansas. Cincinnati is likely the fifth best team and would lose by 40 to Georgia. Ole Miss would likely beat all, all but three teams in the nation and just lost to Alabama by 30. I mean, I don't know how you can say Cincinnati would lose by 40 to Georgia when they almost beat them last year in their bowl game. That's just what Swaff said. I'm just reading it off. So, I mean, I don't think any... I mean, we'll see, because until Georgia does it, Georgia is known for, like, choking it away, essentially, you know? Like, Georgia still hasn't won a national championship. They came super close, but they still haven't done it. So, besides Alabama just being heads and shoulders above everyone... I mean, that's just what happens. That's like Nebraska in the 90s. I mean, they won three national championships in four years. Or 94, 95. Yeah, three national championships in four years. 95, average margin of victory was 39 points, and they won the national championship 62 to 24. Yeah, I mean, it's not great, but, I mean, college football, things will change. Eventually, Saban will retire or die. (laughs) That's like the only one or the other. One or the other. Nothing else will happen. So... I mean, I get what he's saying, but I mean, I'm loving this college football season. I get, I mean, so many people focus on the, it. So many people focus on the playoff, but I mean, think about all the parity that's going on, like in the Big Ten. Like Ohio State is not necessarily at the top, you know. I mean, you have Penn State, Iowa, and Michigan that are all like right there, going to challenge them for it. And I could be eating my own words at the end of the season. Maybe Ohio State finishes it off and wins it all, but I mean, I, I I'd have to disagree. I mean, I think college football is still doing awesome. I think you're just talking about Alabama being dominant at that point, which is, yeah, I mean, that's what's going on. But as a fan, as a fan of like Nebraska and a fan of Tennessee, Alabama being really awesome doesn't do anything for me. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like we're like, we're so far away from that, that I'm focusing on just my team continuing to get better. And I think that's what everyone else is kind of focusing on. Unless you're Georgia, pretty much, unless you're Georgia or Ohio state, or maybe Oklahoma, and your goal is the national championship, everyone else is just focused on like getting their team better yeah. and watching and being entertained. and Trying to win a conference yeah. championship. Yeah, there's different goals for everyone. So, I mean, I don't think Swaff is as big of like a college football fan, so it's a little... People who aren't big college football fans, it doesn't like resonate with them as much. Or like, yeah, they're not going to like it as much because you see a product of chaos honestly besides like some dominant teams yeah but for me i love that i love chaos i think that's way more fun fun. to watch i think that's what makes college football more exciting to watch than the nfl sometimes is you can't have a true upset in the nfl in my opinion like you can in college football yeah no i'd I'd agree with that and this final thing he he added on to that it's a joke out there, folks. Our generation is one of a bunch of entitled pretty boys who don't want to work hard, and it's showing up in all the programs that used to be tough-as-nails competitors every time they touched the field. And then he said, 
I take that back. There's three good football teams in the top 25. He didn't clarify, but that's what he said. Uh, I don't disagree with him. Yeah, and even Brady said that the other week that guys nowadays just aren't as tough as they used to be. No, they're not. I kind of wish I wish he would have been a little more specific on some programs just because I'm interested. But no, I don't. I, I agree with that. I mean, I think especially with the whole transfer thing. Yeah, you the, can just quit and play on another team the next year when you get your waiver or just. Well, whatever. the problem is, is now you have these guys who are transferring from power five schools. I'll use Luke McCaffrey as an example, transferring from a power five school to another power five school or going in the transfer portal, thinking they're going to get all these big offers just because they were at a power five school. Yeah. Well, you don't have a lot of tape really. And the tape you do have is okay. So like Luke McCaffrey goes from Nebraska to Louisville. Basically, I think he probably got an empty promise saying, Oh yeah, you'll get to play quarterback here. He shows up there. Oh yeah. You're not really going to have a shot to play quarterback leaves after like a couple weeks goes to Rice and is the starter there and is just not that good at quarterback. Like yeah. he's had an abysmal statistical season. So it's like, hey, before you just like quit and give it away, first of all, how about you try to work hard? Yeah. And try to earn your spot because if you go somewhere else, there's no guarantee you're gonna get a spot there. And then second of all, maybe you should listen to your coaches if they tell you, hey, you're not like cut out for this position, but we want to try you somewhere else. Yeah. No, and I, I think you might be right on that with McCaffrey. And if he's having that bad of a season at Rice, that's he's clearly not talented enough to have it at a Power 5 season. You kind of just like throw away what you've built at a school, the chemistry you've built, the I mean, the playbook, just everything, the system. And it's starting brand new and a whole new system and everything. You're kind of starting at ground zero. Well, and you used to have – it used to be very normal for quarterbacks to wait their turn at a school. Yes. And, like, you weren't expected to play until you were a junior. Look at like what happened would, to Mac Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the only one who's done it, like, recently. I mean, it's it, it wasn't unusual to wait your turn and be – because at that point, you've mastered the system. You're yeah. comfortable in the offense. So when you go out there, you're ready to go. And that's what he did. I mean, he was totally comfortable in the offense, and he lit it up. Agreed. Was well, that uh, it from uh, Swaff, his hot corner? Yeah, that, that about wrapped it up. I mean, he did text me the other day and say he still thinks the Titans are really stupid for not trying to get Tom Brady when he was a free agent, but that's besides the point at, at this time. We don't even need to entertain I don't, that. Yeah, I don't even want to acknowledge that. Um, but Will, uh, in our, I guess, podcastly, weekly tradition, whatever you want to call it, um, you got any uh, lines you're seeing that look nice? So I actually, I really hadn't looked at a lot before this week. Um, or before today, I mean, you're but just that high in the just, win. Yeah. So I, I went two and three last week. I think I started off, I won the first two and then I lost the next three. So that kind of sucked. Um, was hoping to get a backdoor cover. I was really surprised Fresno state didn't cover against Hawaii. Hawaii ended up winning that game. I think actually, wow. uh, anyway, so I think that puts me at like six and eight on the season. Not very good as far. Well, six and eight on the picks I've given the listeners. So I feel bad. I haven't, uh, created a winning record for them. So, I mean, just looking off the top of my head uh, at these spreads right here, I really like Tennessee actually minus 10.5 against South Carolina. I mean, if Tennessee can just do what they did last week and hope South Carolina does what they did last week, you should win that game by three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, they're probably worse than Missouri, honestly. they're uh, I mean, them and Vandy are kind of 
all in the same tier of the SEC, just down in the dumps. Just, I mean, don't get too high on yourselves if you're Tennessee. Go in, take care of business. You should win that game by a lot. Um, I'm looking at the Michigan State minus five against Rutgers, but I don't think I'm not going to sponsor that pick. I'm just going to throw gonna, it out yeah. there. I'm not going to, if they win, I'm not going to take credit for it. If they lose, I'm not going to get let anyone tell me it was a bad pick. I'm you, just throwing been, it out there. You've been hearing like whispers that that could be one that people should bet on. Yeah, like Michigan State's pretty good. Ranked team, Rutgers just got trounced by Ohio State. But you know, Shiano. Rutgers is I mean, not a bad team. They could get, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they won that game. Yeah. However, if if I had to bet on it, I bet on Michigan State. But again, if not, you were not saying sponsor that it. you should bet on it, like you would say that you should bet on it. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, so my, my real only pick is Tennessee minus 10.5. And, and you know what? I'll throw in. I was just looking at it. Where is it? Uh, I, I will tell everybody, do not. I don't even know what the line in Texas A&M, Alabama is, but do not bet Texas A&M to cover whatever it is. Don't do it. I think I'm going to go Notre Dame minus one against Virginia Tech. I'll like go that. ahead. I'll go nice ahead and bounce throw back week for Notre Dame. Yeah, I think they'll get it. We didn't talk about this either, but how about Reese pointed this out to me this Saturday. How about Notre Dame's first string and second string quarterbacks? First string's name is Cone. Second string is Pine. Just flip that around. Yeah. yeah. You got, Pretty wide. <laughs> Notre Dame is apparently they have a big like forestry program and their quarterbacks are taking part in it with pine and cone. So that's that's great stuff right there. So in, in case you were wondering, Alabama minus eighteen against Texas A and M, that actually may be something to look at. They definitely could win by three touchdowns. But yeah. I'm not gonna take that. I'm hoping too much. that I won't I'll be so I'll be having so much fun that I won't see the scoreboard. There you go. Yeah, it'll be uh, too blurry for you. Um, but I guess I'll close close us out here uh, with my picks. Uh, I had one last week. I was looking for some other stuff and didn't really like anything else. Um, so no article last week. But uh, Ravens minus one hit definitely uh, in part to Teddy Bridgewater going down. But injuries are part of the game. So I will take that uh, take that win. Um, and nice bounce back after an 0-2 week before that. Uh, one game that I'm seeing here that opened up at 6.5 but has dropped to 4.5 is the Raiders. Uh, Chicago coming into town to Las Vegas. Raiders minus 4.5. They're playing a tough game with the Chargers right now. Um, I think they're going to have a little bounce back beat down game against the Bears. The Bears looked good against Detroit. They're going to think they're better than they are, get a little cocky, come to Las Vegas and get thrashed by Derek Carr, lose by double digits. I mean, That's the, what I'm calling. The Raiders are one of Swaff's Super Bowl teams, so if you there ride you with Swaff and Nick, this is the perfect one for you. It's the perfect one, and uh, I'll keep my eyes out, so if I do see something good, definitely expect to uh, see something on the site. Always be uh, checking back there for more. Yeah, and I think, Reese, I think we will need to have Swaff. I think we're going to need those those takes get to be called in from now on. I'd love to get Swap's voice on this podcast. Yeah. yeah, I'll let him know. Yeah, leave us a good voicemail of all his takes, and then we'll be able to put them up on here and react to them right after. Um, guys, thanks again for listening today. I know it was a long one again. Like we said, a lot to cover, a lot of content. Yeah. I mean, it's football season. We're fully in it. Really almost halfway over college season. Ugh. 
Don't think about it. That doesn't seem I'm right. I'm not thinking about it. Don't think about it. Ah, uh, we're good. It ends we're in January, good. brother. Yeah, January's forever away. Yeah. I, I can't even think about the, that. January's not even, it's never even going to come. Yeah, never going to come. Anyway, guys, uh, honestly, hey, if you would like to call in and give your opinion, we'd love to have that as well. So shoot us a DM on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter is paydirt underscore sports. Instagram, paydirt sports. It's just one word, paydirt sports. Go on our website, paydirtsports.blog. Check out all our content, articles, podcasts. It'll all be up there. Guys, it's been real for this week. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Awesome. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next time. Existence is pain.